Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast, your Seattle Seahawks podcast by 12s for 12s, with your hosts, Adam Emmer. Obviously, you can't run the ball if you don't have the ball. And Brandon Schultz. We have skis on airplanes, but we can't have a hoverboard from Back to the Future. Go Hawks. As my military journalism instructor used to always say, Doom! Doom? Doom, Adam. Doom? That was that was Sergeant Maxwell's quote. Uh, he was a good did dude. He, did he love the video game? Like, what? Doom! Uh, <laughs> yeah? As in after this week. Oh, you're, you're feeling doomy? No, I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of doom. I'm definitely doom hearing a lot of doom and gloom, but it is unbelievably misplaced. Yeah, I... I I thought that uh, the game against the Chiefs it was a re- it was actually a really good game. Yeah, I, there are there are parts of it obviously that are disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know one thing that kind of pumped me up, and I I know there are uh, Jenny Ghost uh, tweeted at us, and and I think one of her friends tweeted at us that they were they were saying we're ready for the podcast this week because we want something to pump us up, or you know because we're feeling oh, really? kind of down after that game. Oh well, I didn't realize that uh, people are looking for so us the, for that, but the pressure's on now. Well, there's no pressure because honestly, I'm actually in a pretty good mood today. Yeah, yeah, I, and, I, and about the team. I could sense that you were excited to do the show this week. So. I am. I'm stoked to do the show because number one, I'm back in Montana. That always makes me that's, happy. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Made it from North Carolina all the way back to Montana. Yep, exactly. It was still dang cold down in Carolina. Yeah, it was like 19 degrees in the morning, and the humidity there just yeah. makes it that much worse. It was bone chilling. Yeah, but uh, yeah, good to be back and uh, do the pod. I yeah. know we were gonna try we're to do a day it. late. Yeah, and that's my fault because we ended up finishing a day early, so we traveled back on Tuesday when we normally record, and I actually had brought stuff to record on the road, but yeah. since I was traveling... It, it's better to do it this way, face-to-face. Yeah. Face-to-face. So... Here we are. We got some things to talk about regarding doom! the Hawks. Doom! And uh, it's not Doom. <laughs> no. It's not uh, doom. But I, I did... Uh, one of the things that kind of pumped me up after watching the game because i i was disappointed obviously I, you want to win and you had so many opportunities I, obviously there's several plays and we'll we'll get into it where it could have gone either way but i watched rain city redemption uh, did the new one come out no it's not out yet oh but i wanted to i wanted to get myself kind of pumped up for the next episode of that yeah, yeah. and because it's close it's really close uh he it's posted, always close yeah. <laughs> uh, well you know no, look, I, I'm not mad because hey. it takes him forever because he does an amazing job. Oh yeah, like it, so that doesn't bother me at Which, all. Which I was, uh, I was kind of scouring around the internet and I noticed on Reddit about uh, he was looking for some footage and apparently one of our listeners said, "Hey, uh, if you're looking for pregame footage, check out the Seahawkers podcast and use some of the audio from there for pregame." So uh, I thought it was cool that somebody suggested that to him. To yeah, really, yeah, to the Mister Cordell, yeah. Oh well. Thank you, fans. Yeah, I know. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I, I, I say fans, but that sounds listeners. wrong. It's listeners. Listeners. Yeah. Nobody's a fan of me. <laughs> Not even my mom. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, I, I was listening to the show mm-hmm. and uh, or watching, watching the show mm-hmm. and both. I was listening and watching. I was very engaged. That's good. Uh, Two and of the senses. I know. <laughs> I couldn't smell it though. <laughs> yep, which that's was true. disappointing. That is. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just the thing that struck me. Uh, go back to the the 2012 season, mm-hmm. and at this time, oh, I'm glad you're bringing this up. The Seahawks this was... were six and four. Mm-hmm. What happened it, after that? Lost to Miami. They were six and five, mm. and then they ran. What happened after that? They went on a five and zero run to finish the season, and then another win in the playoffs, and then a, oh, so close win in Atlanta. Right? Gosh, I, but that's a successful season. I forget how close, just how little time was left on the clock when the Falcons got the ball. Like, yeah, we scored, and there was thirty one seconds. I know. We kick off. Do we and they have to do it? They uh-huh. have the ball with twenty five seconds. Well, you know, this is just where it, it could be much worse. I mean, no. you you could also be an Eagles fan. It could be it yeah. could be that bad. You could have the Sanchez as your quarterback <laughs> right. for the rest of the year. Yeah, which I, I watched uh, the game at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings with my buddy. Oh, did you uh, from work with Scott? And uh, <laughs> it was. I was happy after, and that was oh, after. That's right. He's an Eagles. Fan. He's an Eagles fan, oh. and it was after the Hawks had already lost. And I'm watching that game against the Packers. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh well, you know, things could be a little bit worse. My texts on the road from Jared were much better, considering the Broncos' loss as well. Yeah. <laughs> that was helpful. <laughs> but yeah, so so let's get into it. Obviously, the Seahawks lose twenty-four to twenty, miss several opportunities, and and we're going to mm-hmm. do our best to help pick you up. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of defense. You know, giving up leads, obviously not something we remember from last year. This is the second time that's happened this year. It was a seesaw battle. It was. Um, but we'll get into that, uh, and we'll we'll talk about the upcoming game against the Cardinals. We have Rob from the Arizona Bird Gang podcast on. Yeah, he was great. The the Arizona Bird Gang podcast, which listeners they they rallied and they got us past they did. the the iTunes reviews. You guys are amazing. So yeah, very cool. We'll have them on. Uh, we'll have Rob on. And, uh, of course, do better and have better life than Skip Bayless. Exactly. All right. Well, talk about people needing to pu- be pumped up a little bit. Yeah. Okay? What, what did you do to blow off steam, Adam, after that, after that loss? Well, to be honest, I didn't even get to watch the game until today, Wednesday. So what did you, what did you do this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> Sat down and did an interview with Rob? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, really, I was uh, in the mill, and I, I had my phone out, and they didn't have it on the NFL app right right but you could get red zone and it was herky jerky in you know, boo on you red zone for showing mostly uh atlanta saints could you not get the audio feed on there uh i don't know not that i could hear it okay well yeah there's that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so uh and i'm watching it with my dad who is a chiefs fan so uh-huh. you know that was a little tough too mm-hmm. and uh yeah i was i was kind of mad then but i was bang on things with like hammers and stuff so that helped <laughs> uh but honestly i didn't get that upset because i remembered exactly what you just you know, pointed out just a few minutes ago, you know, we started out six and four oh, oh, two years ago and finished up just fine. Mm-hmm. And I look at this and yes, we came into this season with all these expectations. Of course we did. And you should have. But you also have to give yourself a dose of reality too. Well, this especially team, when reality presents itself. Hey, at the te- beginning of the year, after the Green Bay game, it looked like this was going to be another golden season. Are you in the thick of it, Seahawks? Yes. Yeah. Are you a good team, Seahawks? Yes. Let me tell you about how good this team was against Kansas City on the road in a hostile environment against a playoff caliber opponent. We beat them on first downs. We we had 25 first downs. They had 20. We had 71 total plays on offense. They had 46. 
We had 372 total yards of offense. They had 298. We had uh, six uh, third down or five third down conversions. They had two. We had zero turnovers. They had two. Time of possession, we dominate. 35-57 to 2403. Mm-hmm. You dominated the game. Somehow you lost. Well, the, the and the number that I really look at yeah. in that, red zone efficiency. Look at that. Yeah. Chiefs, 75%. Seahawks, 40%. They converted one more red zone opportunity. Congratulations. Look, uh, Seahawks, Seahawks converted that other red zone opportunity. Just the referees decided to let the Chiefs cheat. So there's that. <laughs> well, okay. We, we can get and into I that don't, And I don't... Catfish about the refs, okay? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I yeah. don't. Okay, well, and, and but here's, this is, here's the play you're talking about. Yeah. Fourth and goal from the two. Chiefs put four men down at the line of scrimmage. They blitz. Throw over the top. It's incomplete in the back of the end zone. Doug Baldwin was pushed. Everybody is saying, why no flag? He was pushed from behind as the ball was coming over the top. Baldwin is asking. He is angry with the official, and he should be. No call. Ball goes over to the Chiefs. So what's your takeaway from that, Adam? Uh, BS. That's a bunch of crap. It happened right in front of the official. Three guys are standing there looking at it, and they don't call a push in the back? I thought this was the year that the NFL was cracking down on illegal contact uh, by defensive backs. And that was supposed to you know, hurt the Seahawks' defensive back deal. No, apparently it's going to hurt the Seahawks' receivers because it's not going to get called on a key fourth down that could put us ahead with seven minutes and change left in the game. That's a that's an egregious non-call. That's an there it's not like there was anybody else around to impede their view, anything like that. That's bad. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate and and okay. I'm going to tell you about something that bothered me with this. Okay. Uh the devil's advocate part is the contact with him was relatively it it, it was contact, obviously. It was a shove it, in the back. It wasn't a, it was, looking back at it. It wasn't as hard as Baldwin played it off to be. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I don't think. But the thing that really bothered me about it, looking looking back at that mm-hmm. specific play, Baldwin is looking at the official and looking for a flag before the ball even hits the ground. Yeah, because he got knocked. It, it knocked. You, him you at least got to go for it. Get, give it a try. He couldn't. Because it knocked him off balance, and it made it, it made him change the entire direction of his route. He could have looked for the ball. The ball was still in the air. He was not looking for the ball. He was looking at the official. That's because it should be that obvious. Well, it should be. But I sometimes I think that hurts a player when they when they're looking that blatantly for a call like that. Mm-hmm. It that's what it bothered me. I can understand why that may bother you, but but the, but the non call also, also bothered me. Yeah, that should that should also confirm just how crap that non call was. What did you think of the play? Well, look, this this was that fourth down was before their second fourth down where they stuffed Marshawn. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. You give it to Marshawn there. I mean, you just do. He'd been running wild over the Kansas City defense all game long. It, it just give the ball to the beast. Go down with your best punch. Yeah. No, I, I would say the same thing too. Now, some people have argued that they should have kicked a field goal there. Yeah, and I could I could see that argument. I I felt like at that point of the game when you're you're going back and forth, and I thought Coach Carroll after the game and in his Pete Carroll show mm-hmm. made a really good point about this. And, and post game, he he broke it down like this. He said, uh, and you could kind of feel it just the way the things were going that if 
every time the Seahawks scored, the Chiefs ran back down the field and, and they were driving the ball too. Mm-hmm. So having them backed up inside the two-yard line, at that point, their playbook is so limited and they aren't going to take any chances. And you saw it with Alex Smith. He did not take any chances downfield. Uh, he was all about short passes. Mm-hmm. Those little dump-off passes only had 108 yards. Um and and they were they were running the ball well, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're at when you're in that position at the two yard line, um, and obviously he he's thinking ahead. He, he said he didn't he didn't want that to be the next thing that happened, but mm-hmm. just logically thinking it through, um, that that having that ball at the two yard line wouldn't have been as big of a deal, and and, and getting the ball back, which they did absolutely, uh, and having another shot at a touchdown, it, it kind of. I, I like the team's chances in that type of situation too. I just I, like you said, I like going down just like the fourth and one run. I, I like going down with our best player uh, and and making the best plays. Right. I, no, I agree. I agree with you there. And it, Coach Carroll took a very calculated risk there, and that's your job as a coach is to think worst case scenario if the ideal yeah. outcome doesn't well, happen. Doesn't right? work out. And that and it worked out just as you would that it has to, you know, more or less, as long as your defense holds up, which mm-hmm. they did. And the defense really played a lot better in the second half as a whole. Sure. And yeah, that, that it gave you another great opportunity to go down and score again, which, you know, didn't come through on that either. So, well, and part of that too, if you want to get the officials back into this, yeah, was that, uh, that curse reception the Jermaine curse reception mm-hmm. where they they initially they called him having the first down and then they brought him back one yard yeah uh if if russell wilson if they give russell wilson the timeout when he's when he's motioning for timeout with mm-hmm. two three seconds on the play clock and they actually give him the timeout when he's calling for it then they don't give him a delay a game they don't move back five yards and that's a first down catch rather than just short. Well, the, short. the call was correct as far as him being short of the first down sticks. So oh, oh, yeah. That no, that was absolutely correct. Right, I'm talking about that, the timeout, right? Which that, again, that, that they didn't miss. They missed it. Yeah, but you can't wait till two, uh, three seconds left on the play clock. It wasn't that much. I, I watched that three times a day because I heard Salk go on and on about how on the Brock and Salk show about how there was three, four seconds when he started doing it. There yeah, wasn't. No, there wasn't four. It, it was maybe one. It was it was another one of those. He got graced by one earlier in the game where he called it with not much time, like a second left on the clock, if that. Well, they Look, have you're to be not paying get, attention. Yeah, you're paying attention to a lot of things as a referee. There, you know, you're 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 looking for false starts and offsides and and uh, people lined up where they're supposed to be. How many men are on the field? There's a lot of things that you're that you're going through as a as an official right there. The last thing you, you're doing is staring at the quarterback to make sure he's going to or not going to call a timeout. Well, if you're watching the play clock to make sure they get it off yeah, on time, wa- why aren't you looking at the player to see if he's motioning for a timeout? Answered, I think he answered your own question. You're looking at the play clock. Well, yeah. If it's getting close to zero, you should look at the guy about to, to hike the ball to see if he's actually going to But how do you know if they don't hike the ball on time? In, on time if you're not looking at the play how clock? How many officials do they have on the field, Adam? Look, that's, that's my point. He, you left it too close. You, that was that was just too close. Yeah, there, there's, there's enough guys to notice though when a guy is calling time. I don't, out. I don't, I don't kill the refs on that one at all. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. If you look, that's something that's within your control. That that what happened right there. If you if you don't want to get delay a game, guess what? Get your poop in a group. Get the play in. Get the play called. Get to the line of scrimmage. Have enough time to run an audible and don't even leave it to chance. That's on you. 
That's on the Hawks. You could, That's not on the officials. You could kind of say that about the fourth down, the fourth and two to Baldwin, too. Absolutely not. Don't leave it to the officials to, you're to not call a pass interference. The, uh, you're not. You ran, You had the right play called. You had it. I mean, because it would have worked if he hadn't been freaking shoved. He goes ahead, runs the route. He's running the precise route. He is open. Russell throws a good ball. You're doing everything that's within your power. What's not within your power is whether or not the Kansas City DB is going to shove you in the back illegally. That's not within your power. No, but here's my other thinking, too. You have earlier, you throw a touchdown pass to Tony Moyaki. Mm -hmm. And big dude in the back of the end zone kind of makes sense. Throwing it to a guy who's 5'10", you know, a buck 80. Uh, who, if he does get shoved, however slightly it is, is going to move him off his route. It's not like we it's we don't have a guy like Larry Fitzgerald who is going to absorb contact and be able to go up and get the ball. I hear what so you're, so why make that a call in the first place? I, I hear what you're saying, but we just said when you're on your fourth down play, you're going down with the guys that got you there, right? You're going down with the with your best players. Who's better? Who's better on your team, Doug Baldwin or Tony Moliaki? Yeah, it's I, Doug Baldwin. It, it's Doug Baldwin. He makes all the. I don't catches. know about the route though. The route was great yeah. until he got shoved. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't blame Doug Baldwin when the other guy cheats. That's the long and short of it. Yeah, yeah. So that that to me, I mean that that's why I bang on the officials on that play, and I don't bang on him about the the missed timeout. Okay. I don't know if I understand it, but uh, I... one's within your control. One is with <laughs> I'll, is not. I'll take that. Yeah. Um. So you're not firing Daryl Bevel for the, the the play calling then? Uh, no, I'm not <laughs> because he ran the heck out of the ball during the game. Now, the one thing I'd like to see Daryl Bevel do is stop with the nonsensical bubble screens. It's I don't know. We said this on the last pod. I'm pretty yeah. sure, right? Not one. Not one went for anything in this game. Yeah. And it hasn't for weeks. Well, and one was kind of down on the goal line. Wasn't the one to, to Doug? Yes. There on the- Terrible call. Terrible call. I'm the- over the bubble screens. Look, and the Chiefs play screens well. Yeah. The one thing I think that bothered me about the play calling the most was only one running play inside the five-yard line. And we talked about it. We talked about how the Chiefs, yes, they're good inside the red zone with the, with the they haven't allowed they still haven't allowed a rushing touchdown. <laughs> But they didn't even test it. I know. Uh, now one one the- time, and that was the one where Marshawn Lynch was inches, inches from going into the end zone. Yeah. Now, were they inside the five at the end of the half? Was that were they inside the five there? They were in the red zone. I mean, they were down yeah. inside the ten at least. Yeah, right? it was a twenty-four yard field goal. So, however that works out. Yeah. So anyway, that, I'm watching the red zone right on my. Itty-bitty. Not quite inside the five, I think, because that was the one where the pass to Jermaine Curse that was like back shoulder, back shoulder in his, between his numbers. Yeah. Got to make that catch boy. Yeah. But, uh, come on, chop, chop. But in that sequence, you kind of have to give them a little leeway for not running the ball down there because I was watching it on my tiny phone. Right. Uh-huh. And I could, I couldn't see the clock or quarter and, you know, I'm five, six, seven feet away while I'm trying to work at the same time. Right. And, they're just throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball while they're down there. I'm like, what are they doing? I'm, I'm starting to yell. Like, I'm getting upset. <laughs> and then uh, suddenly they start trotting off to the locker room after that. And I was like, oh, it was the end of the half. Okay, well, now that makes a lot more sense. So you, you know, some of those passing attempts down in the red zone were because of clock management and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I would have liked to see him run the ball more inside the five. That, that's 
that was my big takeaway. Sure. Um, so, so should we take take a look at the defense next? Sure. Let's take a look at the defense. Let's talk about the defense. Okay. Because I I feel like we're we're not pumping people up so far, Adam. And I don't know if the defense uh, conversation really is either. That's why that's why I had that slight hesitation of of where we go next. Mm-hmm. And um, but I I do want to talk a little bit of defense because I mentioned it earlier. So. The Seahawks had the lead 23 to 20 in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. lose 30 to 23 to the Cowboys. Now, the Rams game, they, they never had the lead, but they got within two points, it, make that two point conversion and they're tied. Uh, but right after that, they give up a TD and you know, it makes it that much more difficult to catch them. Um, and then the Chiefs led 20 to 17 late in the third quarter, lose 24 to 20. Um, Led the Chiefs twenty to seventeen. Well, yeah. Did I yeah. say yeah? Yeah. Okay. They I just led, want to make sure. Led mm-hmm. twenty to seventeen late in the third. Mm-hmm. They lose it in the fourth. This isn't the Seahawks defense that we've come to expect. Uh, obviously, Brandon Meebane not out there. I I don't know if it made as much of a difference as some people uh, talk about Meebane, uh because every there were so many missed tackles. Uh, I I wouldn't put that on Brandon Meebane not being there. It, it made a difference, but. Having him in there, I don't think totally stops Jamal Charles from having a huge day. Yeah, so maybe Jamal Charles goes from 159 yards on the ground during the day down to what, like 110? I don't know. You know, you know yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. But even still, sure, you made the Chiefs one-dimensional, though. Oh yeah, you absolutely. Made, you made them absolutely one-dimensional. The the run game overall, they busted a couple big ones, and mm-hmm. then the rest of them were like. Four yards here, three yards here, six yards there. You know it was, what I mean? It was their second touchdown drive where they really just ran wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, their, their first drive, it was a nine-minute drive. Exactly. You know, just, you know, those little short plays here and there, getting four, getting four, getting six, you know, right down the field. Hats off to the Chiefs on that drive. And then we come back and we did this. Uh, the Seahawks did the same thing. And, yeah, that was, yeah. I think that was the touchdown to Moyaki, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, they gave up. They gave up. Yards on the ground, no, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, the touchdown to Moyaki, and that was that was really fun because, you know, he's in Casey. First and goal. Russell's going to throw. Lobs it up over the top. He's got his man. Touchdown, Seahawks. Ex-chief. It is an ex-chief. Tony Moyaki. A little play fake inside holds the linebackers, and Moyaki in the back corner of the end zone against his old team, a one-yard touchdown score, and the Seahawks for the first time today take the lead, nineteen to seventeen. That was the the second touchdown. The first touchdown, I think, was the Baldwin uh, touchdown in the in the first half. Um, one of the reasons why I I kind of liked that play was just because it was so obvious that to everybody that Marshawn was going to get the ball in that situation. Except obviously the play call was to go to the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. So I, I did I did so like what, that call, but I at the same time I I wanted them to punch one in and at least have a rushing touchdown against the Chiefs, but. Look, and, uh, that uh, well, yeah, give up a rushing touchdown or punch it in for the Chiefs. Yeah, that sure against the Chiefs. But so let's say that play doesn't work, and then are you? Well, that was it? first down. I, so okay. and, and it was on the one two inch line, right? Sure, because that was right after Lynch didn't get it. He got the first down, right. and then and just came up short of the right. The goal but it was line. a creative play. It was kind of neat the way they they snuck Moyaki out uh, there in the flat, and they also put. Uh, 
uh, what Tufuwafu? I can't even. Yeah, Tukuafu. Yeah, however you say his yeah. name. Yeah, he, he snuck out there as well. I mean, he could have thrown it both places. It looked like so. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of a fun play. You bet. And then you mentioned the second drive. The Chiefs come down, and I felt like that was the one drive of the game where it felt out of control. Where it felt like the running was the Chiefs' truly, second yeah. second drive, yeah, yeah. Where it truly felt like the Chiefs' running game, like there was no answers, and they were just going to chew us up for huge plays mm-hmm. all game. But after that, there really wasn't a ton of big plays by the Chiefs. I mean, I think Jamal Charles had one other big run in the in the second half. I, I they did a pretty good job, especially the, when you're talking about the fact that they lost Brandon Meebane. And I thought Ter, Ter, uh, Tony Saragusa made a great point, which is which never happens, and that's part of the bizarro <laughs> week in this NFL. Like, Tony Saragusa made sense for a second. Um, he talked about how Brandon Meebane not only was you know soaking up double teams and, and doing all the dirty work as a defensive lineman, but he's also such a very smart player that he's one of the guys yelling at all the other defensive linemen, telling them what is coming at them. And you heard Max Unger talk about that in the preseason, about the way that uh, me being plays right and, and how smart he is and i think that's a huge thing so you have a game on the road against a, a playoff caliber opponent that has an excellent running game and you lose your number one run stuffer up the middle and not only that the guy that organizes that group up front yeah you're gonna see at least a game or two of struggles while we try to figure out how to make up for that loss. And so that's why I was not that upset about the rushing defense in this game. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't. Once we have Bobby Wagner back, it's going to get it's better. Could be this this weekend, potentially. He, he limited in practice today. Right. And our next opponent can't run the ball worth a, a darn. So right. that that's going to help a lot, too. Yeah. So, no, I wasn't I wasn't that upset about the run defense. And the pass defense was excellent. Excellent. Gave up 108 yards to Alex Smith. Well, whoop-de-doo-dah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I really felt like the defense actually played pretty well. And the offense played pretty well. Like, you know, I rattled off all the numbers at the beginning, and you talked about pumping people up. This, If you replayed this game and you gave both these teams these exact same stats seven times and let the situations just play themselves out differently as they, as they could— mm-hmm. We win this game seven out of ten times. Oh yeah, I, the stats—it's so. That's what looking it, at those. It's it, both it's maddening and encouraging all at the same time. Yeah, because now you've seen this team for the past four games get it together mm-hmm. and actually played good football. Yeah, you lost a tough road game. Okay, we're two and three on the road. We're not a great road team. We, we haven't been a great road team for the most part. You know, during the last three years or so. Yeah, last year the exception, obviously. You, you, and they, and they started to pull it together toward the end of 2012. But yeah, you know. Sure. But the best you can hope, really, on the road, and, I, and I've thought this forever, is to split your games on the road. Mm-hmm. We're close to that. Yeah. We've got we've got three more road games coming up. We could easily just split our road games this year. Or I guess you can't. Or, yeah, I guess you can because it's eight on the road, so you can be right. four and four. Sure, but we can easily split our road games. This just happens to be one that we lost. Now, out of all the games remaining on our schedule, this is the one that I looked at out of all those tough games. I was like, we the can most afford- difficult to go, the most difficult. most difficult environment to go into and pull out a win. Absolutely. And it's also the one that you could afford to lose the most because it's not a conference opponent and yeah. it's not a divisional right, right, opponent. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing there. You're going to lose. Look, Seahawks fans, we're not going to go and run the table for the rest of these games going out. We're just not. Like, get, get that in your head. It could happen. Let's be realistic. <laughs> Let's be realistic. It's not going to happen. But you don't have to either to get into the playoffs, and that's all you need to do. Just get into the dance. Right. The, the seating be darned. We'll be fine. You just got to get in. 
And so losing this game on the road against a tough team in a hostile environment, I'm not that upset. In fact, we played really well. We had a chance to win the game. It's not like you're the Broncos and got blowed out right. on the road right. against a, against a, a non-playoff team. See how that's the difference. I just hear all this consternation among the fan base of, oh man, you know, oh, we're six and four. They've been in every single game, and not every team can say that. Exactly. Not even the, the nine and one Cardinals can say that. They got blown out in Denver. And think about it in these terms. Last year, all those close games went in your favor. Right. You know, a little play here and a little play there. Over time, over a large sample size, say of two seasons, that's going to even out. And you see a little of that evening out. And well, that's what this is. That's why I don't know if it's necessarily evening out. That's why I kind of point to the, the defense a little bit. There was, um, let's see, Kowasoft on Reddit. He posted, oh, okay. uh, the Seahawks are scoring the same points per game this year as last, but giving up an additional seven points per game on defense. So mm -hmm. 2013, 26 points per game on offense. Uh, uh, the opponents, 14.4. Mm -hmm. uh, and then this year, 26 and 21 and a half. Mm -hmm. So that's well, a pretty big difference. It is. Do you think there might be a reason for that? Think about which side of the ball we've been banged up on more than uh, than the other. Oh yeah, I, I'm it's saying easy, that it's easily, but defense. still, a seven point swing is pretty significant. It is significant, but there's also a reason for that. We stayed really healthy on the defensive side of the ball for the most part last year. Well, we had a, a ton of depth too. Exactly, and it's not quite so much depth this year. And you, I, I remember reading, I when, think it was a pro football when Will Tukuafu was playing on your defensive line as well. And granted, that's kind of how he came into the league, but he is your fullback. But you saw him out there playing defense too. I know, and again, it, it, you know, I mentioned on the Facebook page that it felt a little desperate because it is a little desperate. We this is where we're at. Yeah. We're playing fullbacks at, at defensive line. If he can make a difference, that's great. The one guy that really that kind of stood out to me uh, in the first half, especially, was um, Dobbs. Which I think was that the dude that we picked up from the 49ers? Yes, he was in there, and I saw him in the backfield a couple oh, really? times. I didn't so notice him. okay, he was he was he, I noticed him. So yeah, maybe there's uh, something to be said about him. Hey, you going know, forward. people have also made this huge deal of the missed tackles in that game. So I had an interesting perspective watching this game this time because I didn't see the game on Sunday, yeah. and I had two days of of working and travel where all I had were internet articles and a couple podcasts to listen to and listening to the reaction to the game. So when I watched the game, I was expecting to see just horrid tackling. <laughs> I, I, I was, I, it really wasn't that bad. You missed a couple. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're not going to make every single one too. I, I think the, the biggest thing was the missed tackles were on those really big Jamal Charles runs. And there was one, that's how they turn where, into big runs. Well, yeah, and where Earl Thomas just comes flying up and whiffs big time, and Charles, I, yeah, I think it was mm -hmm. one of his, you know, forty, fifty yard runs, right? And uh, yeah, I, you know, going for the big play, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> You're able to make it happen, mm -hmm. but if he lets up just a little bit, he probably does get his shoulder pad into <laughs> Charles' yeah. thigh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the it's hard for me to kill a player being over aggressive. Well, yeah. Except that there, I think that was part of the problem this week. There were there were too many moments where they were over aggressive, and I think that's when they go back and they look at the tape and they say, "Now, now, see that it's good to be aggressive, but you got to have some control with your aggression, and if you dial it back a little bit, especially in a game against these Arizona Cardinals coming up, mm -hmm. 
I, I think uh, where aggression could probably come back to, to hurt you in some cases, where just uh, playing play within your game, and I, I think you come out well in this type of situation. But That's true. It, uh, but I also remember this time last year when we were starting to get gashed on the ground there for like three games or so, and everybody started freaking out. And P. Carroll came out and he said, yeah, we're playing over aggressive. We're just not hitting our run fits. And then yeah. suddenly... All of a sudden, they fixed it. They fixed it. So, I'm not. I'm not that worried. We've got Bobby Wagner coming back. You know, your star linebacker that gets everybody back to their natural positions. That makes a gigantic difference. Sure. You know, instead of having KJ in the middle and you know moving guys around, I just think it's going to be huge. And I, I, that's the thing. I just look at this game. We played well on the road, and you're just not always going to come out on top and you're still in position to do just fine in your division. The division title is still in your reach because all the division games for the most part are still coming up. Oh yeah. You're going to be fine. You have a chance. There's and that, that uplifting message. Well, and that's all you need. <laughs> you just need a chance, you know? So you're saying there's a chance, you know? <laughs> and Russell Wilson came out, found his accuracy again, went 20 for 32, 178 yards. I know that's not a gaudy stat line as far as yardage is concerned, but it was all right. Two touchdowns, no turnovers. Was doing Russell Wilson things out there again. Yeah, and speaking of great moments, how about Luke Wilson? Lynch, the single setback. Play fake to him. Russell hits his back foot, has time. Bounces, looks, still looking. Now he rolls right. Now he dumps it off. Got a man wide open. Wilson down to the 20, down to the 15. Turns up field, knocked out of bounds. Good protection by the Seahawks offensive line. Allows Russell Wilson to stand there and just wait and wait. And finally, Luke Wilson pops out on the right side, wide open. And he takes it all the way down at the 12-yard line. I got a text from my brother because he was so excited that Wilson was catching passes this week. Well, if there's one thing I know for sure in this world is that Luke Wilson has the best hands in the world when there's nobody within 10 yards of him. <laughs> he catches everything. But get a guy in his vicinity, and I'm, I think you're going to still see the same Luke Wilson. And he hit him when he was open, you know, the, at least the, the two times that I yeah. was paying attention. But it was good to see the ball thrown in his direction and have it end in a reception. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> It definitely, right? it definitely helps. It picks you up. It yeah. makes you feel good. It does. Uh, a lot like seeing Marshawn just cram it down their throats to the tune of 124 yards at 5.2 average. Yeah, that, that was cool. That, that was fantastic. Uh, offensively, we actually played pretty well overall. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. No, it was the the fact that we couldn't get it done on fourth down uh, and couldn't get it done in the red zone <laughs> when it, you have chances for touchdowns like curse. The throw to curse, the mm-hmm. the fourth and two, and um, yeah, yeah, the fourth down, the other four. Well, they weren't quite in the red zone. I didn't no, think, they weren't. The, but the, that you know stalled a, a drive right. where he had a scoring opportunity. Yeah. where you, you get down there. Now, out of the two fourth down calls, you asked me how I felt about the you know call to go to Doug Baldwin. Uh, it, I'm fine with that one. The one that I, I have even a bigger problem with, though, is the second one where they ran it with Lynch. It's not the fact that they gave it to Lynch. It's the fact that they ran that weak crap out of the gosh dang shotgun. Yeah. I hate draw runs when you're trying to play power football. It is stupid. It is stupid. It, yeah. Get, get Tufawaku in there or Tufafoku or whatever the <laughs> heck is. Yeah. yeah, whatever his name is, the big old hoss, and let him plow the way and get that one yard or sneak it with Russell or do something. Don't just sit there and run out of a 
freaking shotgun formation it, like you're running a draw play on third and 15. Yeah. I, I hate that. I I didn't have as much problem with the play call. It was the fact, I mean, Sweezy got blown up. Alvin Bailey got blown up. Those mm-hmm. th- Both those guys that they were trying to block were in the backfield, uh, you know, two yards into the backfield when Marshawn had the ball. So he had nowhere to go by that time. So, you know, block better and, you know, maybe things go your way, but... Um, yeah, I, I kind of would like to see, uh, but you're just running, that power. If you're, if you're running out of the eye instead of out of the shotgun sure. and the guy gets just whiffs on his block like that, guess who takes on that first defender? Yeah. The, the fullback does yeah. that. That's my point. It gives you more room for error that you go three, you go three wide, you know, put trips to the trips to the right. What are you doing? Yeah. Why, why do you have three wide receivers in the game when you're going for it on fourth and one? It's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> I think we're upset about very different things this week. We are. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I think there's one thing that we can probably agree on going hmm. forward hmm. is that uh, we have the Arizona Cardinals this weekend, yeah. and the chances I I feel are better than I, uh, than uh, anybody's giving it credit for. Oh yeah. yeah, I I love our chances in this game. I love the matchups. I I'm not saying we're going to blow them out. But I think we have an amazing chance to win this. Oh, game. Th- this is a this is a good team. This is a nine and one team. I know. Even without Carson Palmer, th- this team is good. Their defense, their defense is very good. Is very good, and their wide receivers are outstanding. Mm-hmm. I I would I would trade. <laughs> sure, I trade. But the thing is, is you have to have a guy to get it to those receivers. And yeah, well, hey, if there's one thing that. Uh, the Cardinals are good at. They're getting it downfield to the receivers. When Carson Palmer's the quarterback. No, Drew Stanton, he he could throw the ball downfield. He'll, he'll get you one to two bombs a game and nothing else. Yeah. That's what he does. That's who he is. And he makes terrible decisions otherwise. He had two picks in that game. Right. You give us two turnovers at home in the clink, good night. And look, that that's fair. Who did they have last week, the Cardinals? They played, uh, you know. That team. <laughs> that team. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll look at it here real quick because I, I totally forgot. Oh, Detroit. That's who they were playing. Right, yeah. The, Detroit has a fabulous front seven. Congratulations. But their their secondary is not great at all. So Drew Stanton has a so-so game against a so-so secondary in Detroit. Well done. You scored a whopping 14 points on offense. whoop de doo da day. And that was all in the first quarter. Yeah, it was. All the scoring in the game was in the first half. And that's at home on top of all of that. Yeah. You go, you take, you take. They Drew's, didn't need to take any chances really in the second half, but he still threw at least one of the picks uh, of the two picks mm-hmm. in the second half. You take Drew Stanton and put him up against DBs like Richard Sherman and Byron Maxwell and the rest of the Legion of Boom, and you're gonna have a long day. I'm sorry, it's not. It's gonna it's gonna be hard on him. It's a totally different pass defense, the Seahawks defense, than the Detroit Lions. It's it. I don't even think they they compare. Now I know the Detroit Lions are fifth and overall in uh, passing defense as far as yards allowed, and we were third, I think, uh, going into this game. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we definitely have better DBs, and the way Stanton stares people down. You got some well trained defenders back there. Oh yeah, they're going to be looking for that. Yeah. Absolutely. He's not going to complete a bunch of balls in this game. And that leaves you the running game with Andre Ellington. And honestly, their running game is anemic. It, it really is. I think there's something like 30th in the league. Their running game is not good. But the thing is about the, the Arizona Cardinals is in their four road games, 
three out of those four road games, save the one against the Broncos where they, they couldn't run the ball at all. Mm-hmm. And they were so far behind that running the yeah, ball yeah, by them not was an option. futile anyway. But uh, so, yeah, the three running games or the three games, their other road games, they uh, they're over 100 yards on each of those road games. So. Great. There you go. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's not going to happen in this game. So, but again, it was so their other three road games are the Giants, which, you know, whoop de doo in New York. Yep. Uh, road win against Oakland, 24 to 13. Again, not a tough place to play on the road and win. And then they won on the road in Dallas. And uh, do you remember that game? Yeah, because there's no Romo. That was the Brandon Whedon game. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> so. They've had they've had a lot of breaks go their way. They got a free first down in the last game, you know, on a critical fourth down conversion. It can, you know, the the refs gave them that. Look, the Cardinals are not as good as their record. They're a good team, but they're not as good as their record. I I, I they are not as good as their record. I don't know if I could say that. I I think they're so out of their nine wins that includes New York, Washington, Oakland, Philly. They're uh, as good as their record because they're able to beat bad teams. Yeah, and they've also beaten some good teams, though. I, that win against Detroit is a quality win. Yeah, that's a quality win. Detroit's streaky, though, too. You you don't know if you're going to get good Detroit or bad Detroit on any given day. Yeah, they happen they, to get they bad. They played Detroit more though. solid this week or this year, but uh, and plus they had they have good receivers. So that, that's again fantastic. I've I've seen teams with great receivers holding before. Detroit to six points is impressive. I, I don't care who you are. The, sure, your defense is good. I'm not going to argue that their defense isn't good, but as far as their pass defense goes, it's not that great. 29th in the league as far as yards per game allowed. That, that's not great. If you, you look to see Russell Wilson get right after struggling a couple games, and he had a nice game against the number one pass defense in the league in the last game against mm-hmm. the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a great game against this Arizona Cardinals. And I know they've got those names in the defensive backfield, you know, whether you're talking about Cromartie or you're talking about Patrick Peterson. I think I'm more worried about the names along the defensive line. That's where, that's where I'm concerned because their pass rush has always been good, especially against us. And Calais Campbell. Mm-hmm. He's a, Dan Williams. Yeah. He flat out. He destroyed a guy he, <laughs> for the Lions. He's a baller. He's a baller. That and especially with Max Unger going down in the Chiefs game. Yeah. You know, you're looking at one of the backup centers now. We did sign the mule yeah. Jean Pierre back. Good old Mel. Yep. Good old Lem. Glad he's back in the fold. But it sounded like, according to Tom Cable on Wyman Michael Moore, that you might be seeing Steve Schilling start instead. Well, not Steve Schilling. because uh, Steve Schilling's on IR. The oh. yeah, the other dude. The other dude. Taylor. Or whatever. Gosh, we're, boy, we're having a hard time with names. Yeah, today. aren't we? Yeah, we really are. Well, when you get down to your fourth center uh, for the season. <laughs> right. So I was a little bit surprised to see the fact that uh, Jean-Pierre could come back. and Yeah, where was he, by well, the way? He was on, well, they placed him on IR, but they gave him an injury. Designated to return? No, 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 because uh, you only get one designated to return a season, and that mm. was given to Lane. Uh, but they put him on injury settlement. And so after you do that, I think there's so many weeks after that that they're eligible to come back. And obviously, they don't belong to your team, so they're open. And I guess uh, Lem worked out with several other teams, but luckily nobody else picked him up. So it was around this time of the season where uh, that he was actually available to him. So Gotcha. Yeah, it was good to see. And I was just surprised that he was even 
available to come back. Yeah, but it was I had because no idea. it was because they gave him that injury settlement and said, uh, you know, you're you're released from the I team. Um, I wondered how that worked. I'm glad yeah. you cleared that up for me. I, I was, had to read up about it because it was it was a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I was kind of hoping that while I was explaining it, you would look up the name of the backup center that we currently have. But uh, you know, oh, no, I gave up on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about something else, and I'll look it up then. Uh, but you know, the point being is that. You look at uh, their defensive line, and they do have some monsters, especially up the middle. Fortunately, it sounds like Carpenter could be back for this game. I don't know if that's fortunately. I, I thought Alvin Bailey did pretty well uh, sure. playing at guard, so I don't know if it's a significant another... upgrade necessarily. It, it's good to have a starter back. That's I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Anytime you bring a, a starter back, I think that's a big deal, and it, that'll help solidify the offensive line yet again. Okun had a solid game this last game. It, I think you're starting to see him round into form a little bit better. Yeah, and, yeah and definitely ex- better than, than how things started this season. And that's exciting, so... The offensive line, they could have their hands full in pass protection, but I still think that we should be able to run the ball pretty well against these guys, even though they are stout against the run. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch, uh, we had uh, Rob on for the interview, and one of the things he mentioned is that you know Todd Bowles is excellent at getting a defender in there to you know be in position to make the tackle, but if he misses the tackle, good night and good luck. Mm-hmm. Mar- who's one of the best in the league at breaking tackles? Right, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Beast Mode Lynch. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like... I like that matchup when it's all said and done, you know, just on the running side of the ball. And then, again, on the passing side of the ball, they're not stopping the, you, them throwing the uh, teams throwing the ball very well at all. Yeah, I, I, this is going to be a close game. I, and I'm not I, saying it won't be a close I, game. I, the, the biggest matchup, I think, is going to be their defensive line against our O-line. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that matchup is definitely in the Cardinals' favor. Um, again, I think the DB matchup, they do have good DBs. Um, I, I think we can win some of those and, and I think Russell is good enough. I, the thing, the thing is, is if we can, uh, block well enough on the offensive line, even if it breaks down, especially if Patrick Lewis does a good job blocking on the offensive Patrick line. Lewis, if he does a good job, see, I knew there was a P in there, <laughs> <laughs> but if, uh, so it sounds like Lewis could be in this game and you know, that's fine. Um, but, uh, hopefully we'll, we will have Lem back in there and, uh, who is what their Lemopedia or I forget what they said that his nickname was oh, because really? apparently he's an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to offensive line and his ability to, uh, get all this stuff crammed in his head. Oh, good. Which okay. is cool. Yeah. Um, but I, where I think you see it with Russell Wilson, even if the offensive line breaks down, if they aren't able to contain him, if he can get out and yeah, you know, and he's had good games in the past doing this very oh, thing. Exactly against and the Cardinals. Even if they can't cover our receivers for five six seconds without Nobody holding, can. I, you can't do that in the NFL anywhere. No, nope. I mean the Not guys are going to find a way to get open. Absolutely, and Russell's going to find a way to find them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just see, especially with this being at home, uh, especially with, like you said, the Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, you know, I I do worry a little bit about his health. We haven't talked about the fact that he didn't go in at halftime, mm-hmm. and you may not have seen that. Uh, you probably read about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, he's needing some work done. He is. He, he's he's gotten through it, but he's a tough guy. I I don't think it's going to be a problem. I, mm-hmm. He's he's dealt with the back thing his entire career. I think he'll be okay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, you're talking about defensive line, offensive line matchups, and really one of the things that's really intriguing to me is our defensive line going up against their offensive line, considering the Cardinals haven't given up a sack in something like three games. Yeah. And we've struggled to generate a pass rush at times. And the one thing about the, the Cardinals, though, I if we can't generate a pass rush, it doesn't concern me so much. When I look at, I, I looked at Drew I thought Stanton. they had great receivers. Well, they have great receivers, but they also have Drew Stanton. Right. And Drew Stanton. My point. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, he is the complete opposite of quarterback that Alex Smith is, who we just went up against. Mm-hmm. Which That's very true. Uh, one of the biggest stats that jumped out at me, yards in the air. Mm-hmm. Stanton is top five in terms of the amount of yards gained through the air. So that's even before the receiver catches it, before you're getting yards after the catch. It's a measure of how often guys are going deep downfield. And uh, so where Stanton fits in, he's right below Kaepernick and just above Eli Manning. Correct. And uh, so Alex Smith, 43%. And he is down at the bottom. Uh, Russell Wilson, 44%. So that's the percent of the time that... No, they the, go downfield. Right, right. Or the yards in the air. Forty-four percent um, yards in the air. I don't understand. That, that's the percentage of their yards that's just th- oh thrown. Okay. Th- yeah. Okay. From, Got it. From hand to catch. Got it. Okay. Um. So yeah. It, anyway, it just shows how how different the type of the passes are. Alex mm-hmm. Smith is going for short ones. Stanton and the Cardinals are looking to go deep downfield. Yeah, and that's absolutely a reflection of Bruce Arians. Uh, philosophy. Right. He's been that way everywhere that he's been, whether it's with Pittsburgh or with uh, Indianapolis or now with the Cardinals. He likes big shots down the field. So here's the other thing. Stanton is also the least accurate of all the starting quarterbacks when you take away throw uh, throwaways and drops. So he's at 64%, even if you take away the throwaways and drops. That's right. not a very good percentage. Just to give you an idea, Russell Wilson, 75%. Alex Smith, 81%. Um, he's not accurate at all. He's just above 50% on the season Yeah, uh, for all throws. That That's not great. Right. Uh, it's not. It, it not and, and the, when you, like you talk about the, the fact that the staring down receivers, he had the two interceptions against the lions. I, if he's doing that kind of stuff against the Seahawks and you got Earl Thomas back there, watching where the ball's going. You got Richard Sherman always with the head on a swivel, um, you know, I, even it'll be interesting to see if Lane's out there. Burley's shown that he can <laughs> get in front of a pass. Sounds like he's not going to play this game. Oh, well, that's too bad. But, you know, we still have Jeremy Lane to go out there and Thurl Simon, Simon as well. Sure. And look, think about the Seahawks and how they defend the passing game. How many bombs have you seen them give up over the last two years? Yeah, not a lot. I, I can hardly think of one. Yeah. That's not what they do. They play the deep ball and the big play very well. Earl Thomas is the human eraser back there. He can play single high safety, and it's like still having two safeties back mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. because of his speed and his recognition. So I really think that the strength of our defense, as far as the passing game is concerned, matches up well with what with how they play offense exactly mm-hmm. with the way the Arizona Cardinals play offense. So. Unless they try to change their tactics to go ahead and start dinking and dunking like Philip Rivers did, and everybody that's beat us has, you know, playing that short passing game and running the heck out of the ball, I don't know that it's in that team's DNA. I don't know that that's what the Arizona's Car- Cardinals do well. Right. The one thing I will say for Stanton, though, uh, so. 22% of his passes are for 20 yards or more. So that's a big percentage. He's the top of the league as far as, mm-hmm. as, far as 20 yards or more passes. Uh, zero interceptions, though, when throwing that deep. So 
Cool. That could change. I'd like to see it change. It's not going to hold up. I mean, it's a lot like Nick Foles last year. You came in, lit it, lit it up, and barely threw a pick. And then you get a larger sample size, and all of a sudden he's throwing a bunch of picks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to happen. He's not that good. There's a reason why he's bounced around the league for so long. These journeyman guys, I can only think of one journeyman quarterback off the top of my head, maybe two, that bounced around the league for a long time and then all of a sudden turned out to be awesome. That One would be uh, Rich Gannon, and uh, the other would be the Raiders quarterback, Plunkett. Oh, yeah. No, bounced around the league and then came in and won a couple Super Bowls. So the, it doesn't happen all that often, and I just don't see that out of Drew Stanton at all. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, he, the, I will say one thing about Drew Stanton, though, to be a backup for uh, the time he has and listening to the preparation that he puts in game in and game out, whether or not mm-hmm. that he goes in the game. He's a guy that the reason why he has the job is because how well he prepares right. game to game. Yeah. And that can only get you so far if you, you know, that that will get you to a certain level. Oh, yeah. And then you have to have talent on top of that. I, I think he's talented. I think. Well, you have to be talented to be an NFL quarterback. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but we're talking about the difference between the talented and the uber talented. The uber talented are serviceable starters in this league. Mm-hmm. You have to be uber talented just to be a serviceable starter in this league. What he's do you not. think? What do you think the difference is? Do you think that with Carson Palmer uh, still uh, quarterbacking the Cardinals, mm-hmm. that they could have been a fifteen and one team this year, fourteen and two? I mean, I guess anything's possible. What's the, what's the difference? I I, I believe that. This is the zenith. This last week was the zenith of the Arizona Cardinals season. I promise you that. It's going to be tough sledding from here. Now, a lot of people are pointing towards our schedule and how hard it is. This is what the Cardinals have coming up. They have us uh, in Seattle. Then they're in Atlanta. Okay, fine. You know, but I guess they're a division leader. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's their, that's their only gimme. Then you got Kansas. I hope Atlanta makes it in. I want them to win that division. I just don't care. Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, I not I putting can, a whole lot of care into that. Uh, zero, uh, who wins the South? Zero, zero craps given about the NFC South. How about what if the Bucks come back and win it? They're in position now. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a great example of a journeyman quarterback that went around the league and it still isn't all that great. You know, had a couple, three, four great games and suddenly got paid, and that's Josh McCown, and he still stinks. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, their one clunker game, the the one gimme is Atlanta, and you know, any given Sunday, I guess. But then you got Kansas City in Air, in Air, Arizona. Mm-hmm. We just saw Kansas City's a tough team to play. St. Louis, and they're at St. Louis, the house of horrors. They just beat the Denver Broncos down. Arizona's a tough place to play this year, though, too. So for the Chiefs to go down there. I'm just saying that's no gimme game. That's a tough game. Mm -hmm. At St. Louis, a tough game. Then they got us in their house after that, and then they're at San Francisco. That's a look, out of their last five games, or however many they got here, one, two, three, four, five, out of the last six games, five of them are, they could legitimately lose those games. I think they lose at least three. Mm Mm-hmm. You think they go three and three down the stretch? I think that's I think that's highly highly probable when you're down to your backup quarterback and you have such a vertically offense, uh, vertically driven offense, in, in no run in no run game. Yeah, that's still uh, yeah winning the division. Is it? If they go three and three, they finish twelve and four. Yeah, fine. You, then you still win the division. That's yeah. fine. But this is the zenith of their <laughs> season. They they're not going to be any tougher than they were before Carson Palmer went down. I mean, I guess if the Seahawks go six and zero, and the Cardinals go three and three, and we win both games against the Cardinals, then we would, then the Seahawks would win the division. No, there you go. See, I was told there'd be no math, but <laughs> I just figured it out. But they it, could, it's practically right there in the Seahawks' grasp. Right. Well, 
Look, it's a it's a tall order for us to win the division, no doubt about it. But I can see the Cardinals easily going three and three or two and four. Yeah, in their last six games. Well, especially if two games against us and we win them both. Two games against us, another divisional rival in St. Louis Rams and uh, the San Francisco Forty ers <laughs> So yeah, I, it's 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 a tough road to hoe for them. Uh, but I, they're going to hoe some beats. They're going they're going to hoe some beats. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, for those of you who don't listen to the uh, Pick'em uh, show, uh, you, you, yeah, uh, oh, <laughs> Jared just walked in, so that's what, that was the reference. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, I kind of want to get to the interview because this okay. is, uh, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking some some Cardinals and Seahawks. And uh, oh, one person I wanted to give a mention to, um, just because I've, I've worked on this website, and mm-hmm, yeah. uh, my friend. Uh, it's uh, clarastoffee.com oh, and yeah. um, so Linda is her name who who, who runs clarastoffee.com and uh, she has some of the best toffee like even if you don't like toffee mm-hmm. <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> awesome I love and toffee. Uh, yeah and so uh, right now I think she's trying to get everybody's orders in because holiday season coming, coming up, up. Uh, lots of chocolates. She has the, makes these awesome cookie dough balls. Uh, there's there's another ball that she makes, and I'm trying to think of what it is exactly, but it has like the Rice Krispies in it. She it's makes really good. balls. She makes balls. Okay, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> What's the sweaty balls? Your sweaty balls. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, if uh, if folks want to check that out, makes a good Christmas gift, mm-hmm. and uh, she ships it all over the U.S. Sorry for folks overseas. Uh, Beautiful. That's probably not going to happen, but it is chocolate, so it's tough to to ship overseas yeah. obviously so uh, yeah get belgium shot over something so anyway let's right. get to the the interview welcome 12s to the seahawkers podcast brandon schultz and adam emmert here with you and today we have on the line the co-host of the Arizona Bird Gang podcast, and uh, Rob's here with us on the line. How are you doing, Rob? Good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. You know, I wanted to start the interview off here with a little bit of unity, you know, something we could all rally around. Yeah. Um, screw the Niners, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and the Steelers. <laughs> well, yeah, screw the Steelers for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. How good was it to see a, a 49ers player actually take his cleats off <laughs> on the sidelines this week? That. That can make that can make a person smile, and that's that's one thing I think we can all agree upon. You know, I, I think he was the only player this weekend to quit on his team and then not get cut the following day. Uh, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> which, I mean, understandable. The other guys you could probably do without, uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. I'm glad we, we started off with that common bond, and yeah. uh, now we can get into the game a little bit. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk about this, because are, are you waiting for the outcome of this game to call the division for the Cardinals, or, or have you guys already celebrated after this past weekend? You know what? I think uh, I am the only one steadfast confident that it's over. Um, everybody else on the podcast, my, my buddies, and many of the fans, it's you got to understand a little, something about the Cardinals fans. They, uh, we, we call many of us conditioned Cardinals fans. We are waiting for the demise. We're waiting for, <laughs> for the failure to happen. Um, I look at, I look at where we're at now. Um, I don't see, hey, I don't see that coming. I, you know, the coaching staff is, is where it all begins with this team. Um, and I don't see, uh, the type of demise that it's going to take in the next six games for Seattle or, or San Francisco to, to catch us now, that doesn't mean that the teams aren't just as good. Obviously, you know, bounces bounces go this way, that way, and Cardinals have got 
quite a few bounces this year, um, which you need to be nine and one, I think. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, I mean, history tells you it's over. Um, you know, there's no team that's had a three game lead with with six games to go that have that has not won the division. Um, obviously, I don't think Always any of the first those teams time, have been. Always a first yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I agree. There's, there's not many. Uh, I can't imagine there's a, a, a lot of teams that have been in the position that the Cardinals are in that are being chased by, you know, the the powers that are San Francisco and Seattle. But those two teams get to beat each other up twice. You know, we get to have a crack at at you guys a couple times, and and uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm ready to call it. I'll be honest with you with that. All right. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Drew, Drew Stanton, because obviously when you talk about some of the things this team's gone through, they, they've gone through having to uh, injury, well, early having in the, the season. Having injury to Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer goes down, and now he's down for the season. Which really, right. we said on the last pod, too, just so you know, uh, that that really stunk. I mean, I, even though he's a rival quarterback, I, I like Carson Palmer, the person. And that, that was a truly a, a huge bummer. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, I think everybody was came to a consensus with that. But that was just you know, just just an all around bad deal. Worked through his nerve nerve issue that he had early in the season. Worked through some of the struggles he had in the first eight games last year. And really, as a team offensively, especially pass offense, um, because the running game is uh, minimal to non-existent recently. Um, and I, I'm guessing we'll get to that later. But. Um, but yeah, it was just that was really unfortunate, and you know all the onus is on Drew um, at this point. So, which is obviously we're not. I imagine your your question was going to revolve around confidence in Drew. Am well, I right? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask how confident you are in in Stanton because is he a guy that that you you have to get out to a quick lead for and then count on the defense to kind of keep you in the game? Or do you see Drew Stanton as a guy that, in the fourth quarter, down by seven, could really uh, take this team and lead him down the field for a win? Here's what I will say. Is Drew Stanton, um, when you look at just him, is he the guy that, like you said, is going to take this team on his shoulders and lead him to the promised land and all that? I don't think that's him. However, with... The defense that we have, it's it's you're going to be in every single game. You're always going to have that chance. Usually at the end of the game, you know, um, you know, top bowls will will make adjustments needed, you know, throughout throughout the a, a given game to keep the team in it, uh, which has happened most of the year. If you look at a lot of Cardinals games, it's not we're not blowing anybody out any ever, really. Um, you know, even the Oakland game, a Washington game. You know, we're not blowouts where, you know, a lot of us fans were calling for it, saying, geez, we just like one time to be not losing our mind and losing our hair at the end of the game. But um, is Drew Stanton that guy, you know, like Carson Palmer could? No, no, he's not. Um, I think for this team to really go where the staff thinks it can go and the fans think it can go, um, we're going to need a lot better running game, and that defense is going to have to do what it's done all year, which I'm, I'm confident in the latter part of that. Our defense will always keep us there. Um, if we're down 14 going into the fourth quarter, is Drew Stanton a guy that's going to, you know, we're, we're going to go, yep, we got it, no big deal, we're good? No, but is he a guy that's proven that he can? Sure, you know. Big pass, he, he played really well against San Francisco in the second half. He played really well when he came in, um, you know, in the Eagles game. So, I mean, it's... <sighs> It's hard to say yes with that. However, this year proves that 
maybe he is that guy. I, I don't know. I I don't have the supreme confidence in him like I like I did with Carson. I'll say that. Well, one thing I think we've seen from Stanton this year is his he, he has that tendency to kind of stare down his receivers. Is Absolutely. that something? Do you see a short term fix for that, or or what's your outlook there? Short term fix? Uh, no. I, <laughs> this is something I think he's done since his Michigan State days, and I said it. You know, in preseason games, that gosh, he literally is tunnel visioned on a certain guy. Um, at least he understands the offense. I think what's going to have to happen with that is he needs to understand a little more how defenses are going to defend him. Um, you know, when it came down to it after after the first two drives this past week, Detroit sat with two high safeties and said, "You're not going to throw a deep ball." and forced him to look underneath, and he was not reading you know those intermediate defenders well at all. Uh, which is clear by some of the throws that he threw. Um, still, given that, you know, he still went over 300 yards, had two touchdowns, had a 90-plus, you know, quarterback rating. So, you know, if that was going to be a loss, I don't think anybody could put that technically on Stanton, given the day that he had. But um, like I said before, if if we get to a point where we're depending on Stanton to make every single throw to win, it's we're, we're probably not going to, the outcome's not going to be great for this team. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the running game now. Uh, the Cardinals, they're 3-1 and one on the road, uh, and they've had 100 yards rushing in each of the wins on the road. So how mm-hmm. important is it for the Cardinals to the run game to have, have that kind of success on the road? Oh, it's it's vital, especially in, in this game coming up on Sunday. Um, you know, I, and unfortunately, if, if you guys, I know you guys have probably listened to maybe one or two of our podcasts, but... My main theme this entire year is how awful our center and our left guard, Lyle Sendeline, are at run blocking. Mm-hmm. Or our left guard, Larson, Todd Larson. So, unfortunately, I don't see much of that getting any better. Um, a lot of teams recently have realized how bad we are inside the tackles and have really just run their defensive ends real high, real quick to force, you know, Ellington, who's a pretty pretty astute outside runner. Um, if you let him get outside your defensive end, he can usually make one guy miss and get a couple yards. If he doesn't have a clean hole up the middle, though, he is, he's, he's just not the type of runner that's going to accept punishment for repeatedly that, you know, you know, that the likes of your running back or even your backup running back takes. Um, and we don't have the linemen for that. I will tell you that. That's To win on the road, are we going to need to run? Yes, and unfortunately, I don't see... I don't see. I think the only thing that that comes into this game that benefits us is your big D tackle is is gone for the year, and that's right, right. that that's it, you know. And I don't. I'm not sure if you guys know. Is, is Wagner going to be back this week? He's set to practice this week. Yeah. Okay. But it's but it's it's not set in stone. Right. Uh, now, I'm glad you brought up Bobby Wagner and and the defense in that matchup. Uh, I I really I wonder how you guys are going to contain Marshawn Lynch because. You've seen the last two, three games, the Seahawks have really been able to run the ball. And right. it, it, we do have Max Unger out this game, and that could be a problem. How confident are you, are you with shutting down Seattle's offense and keeping them to, you know, you guys are averaging about 17.6 points a game is what you guys keep the opposing teams to. Do you feel like the Seahawks can hang 20 points, or do you think it's uh, something that's going to be a little under that? Um. Uh, at home, yeah, I think you guys can can hang twenty points on us. I will say this: if we tackle Marshawn Lynch, I I think your defense is going to have to score. Um, and it's it comes down to this: you look at last week, Joyke Bell 
that had the most individual rushing yards against the Cardinals defense of anybody this year. You know, he surpassed LaShawn McCoy's 83. He got himself 85 last week. Um, what I will say, you know, and you look at his runs, two of his runs amounted for 54 of those yards. Those two runs were missed tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so what I will say is, is if, if tackles are made in that scenario, then we do not, you know, give up those yards. Now, tackling Marshawn Lynch is much easier said than done, um, which is, you know, he's proven that since I think his first day, you know, in the NFL. So, um, it, but the Cardinals, you know, they're, their centerpiece is we don't miss tackles, and they have the least missed tackles in the NFL, you know, coming into this game. And they had that's been a consistent theme most weeks, is that they do not, uh, they don't, they don't miss tackles. Um, so I think, I'll, honestly, I think a lot of it will come. This game will come down to that point right there, if we can tackle Marshawn Lynch at the point of contact, because usually Bowles is going to have somebody there to make a tackle. If we can make that tackle, then then I think we hold your offense to to the standard numbers that Arizona holds offenses to. If we don't, well, then we're going to have quite some issues because then it's going to turn into a Marshawn Lynch versus Drew Stanton game, and that is not what Arizona needs. So talk just how dominant has Arizona's defense been this year? Because I, I think about it last year. I think about how confident we were as Seahawks fans because we looked at the defense that we had last year, and it was unlike any other defense we'd, we'd ever seen on Seattle. Do you, do you have that same kind of feeling with the Cardinals this year? Or, and is there any difference to how that defense plays on the road versus at home? You know, it, it, it's interesting statistically, and we've said this many times on our podcast that statistically, you look at the the, the Cardinals and and you go, "Geez, you know, they're really bad against the pass." And then you look at, you know, black and white on paper who we have there, and you look at how dominant we've been against the run. And I really do think that it's it simply comes down to attempts versus Cardinals defense with with the pass numbers. Um, you know, last six games we're, we're under 230 yards given up um, in the pass, and obviously a game against Peyton Manning. Who throws four four hundred plus, and and a game against Nick Foles who throws four hundred plus, those will skew some stats. Um, you know, I do have supreme confidence in this defense. I, I look at the line it, being what we lost. The key to this line comes back to Dan Williams, and that's where I think this this defense this week is going to have to take advantage. Being that Max Unger is going to be out, is Dan Williams needs to play like he's been playing. You know, the last few games, he needs to dominate that interior and force two linemen to block him, um, which will keep, you know, our really only linebacker that plays and, and, you know, our first-round pick safety that is essentially a linebacker this year, you know, keep them clean and able to make plays. Um, You know, and then pass defense-wise, I think it's – and this is one thing I think is missing from Seattle's defense is there's nothing like having a big number two corner. Um, you know, I know going into the off season, you guys, you know, you guys made some decisions. Your, the general manager made some decisions and signing Earl Thomas and signing, you know, Richard Sherman to long term deals. Obviously, those are smart decisions. And not signing Browner, you can't walk up a ton of money in in one position like that. But Browner, I think, is a huge asset to what you know Seattle's defense was last year. The physical up front, we're going to punch you in the mouth, and this is how it's going to be all day defense. And I. You know, I will be interested how Seattle, um, how your guys' defense approaches Arizona's offense because in in the past few years it's been Browner shadowing Fitzgerald most of the time. We've seen him when they go into zone on Michael Floyd a few times the last few years. But you know, physically taking Larry Fitzgerald out of the game, 
you know, and, and I don't think there's an option of that right now. You know, Sherman is a big corner, but I don't think he he's going to toss Fitzgerald around like, like Browner could and did, you know, for the last few years. So um, as far as our defense with, with Cromartie there, Cromartie has been heaven sent for this, this team, taking a lot of pressure off the safeties that can come up and make plays. Um, and he's really allowed safeties to play more of linebackers, which is our was our big biggest deficit coming into this season. I'm glad you brought up the uh, receiver cornerback matchup uh, between the Arizona receivers and the Seahawks uh, corners. Now, it, I, I think I wholeheartedly disagree with you about Sherman being able to shut down Fitzgerald. I, I, I knew you would. <laughs> I, 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 I truly believe that that's within him. He, he's had an amazing year. The stats may not you know, bear that out, but he's played more consistently than he has uh, over the last couple of years even. Uh, right. He may even be our best tackler on the team at this point, too, as far as being physical. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Byron Maxwell it, it can hold up against a Michael Floyd, who, to me, he feels like kind of a streaky guy. Either he's you know, lighting the world on fire or, or he, he's just, who is he on the field? Uh, but the matchup that does concern me is Josh Brown. Now, do you guys usually put him in the slot? Is that is that basically where he works out of most of the time, or is he a guy that you move around a lot outside or even in the backfield? Or how, how does he kind of play? You know, a lot of the time when he is on the same side as Michael Floyd, he will be in the slot. Floyd does not work inside. He doesn't really like, you know, a bunch of contact off the line or getting hit by a D-end or hit by an outside linebacker coming through the zone. So that's not something Floyd's big on, um, and the Cardinals won't put him in a position to – you know, continually get beat. When he is on the side of Fitz, however, Fitz will most likely come in that slot. You know, sometimes they'll set up outside and motion in, but Fitz is Fitz has been playing a lot more of the slot than um, than he has in the past. And a lot of a lot of those combination routes between Fitz and John Brown are predicated on what the safety does. And John Brown's usually a deep guy, and Fitz is going to be, you know, your underneath guy. And that's a lot of completions that have gone to Fitz this year have been on that combination. So I will be, you know, I, I look at this, and, and I, I, if I were looking at your guys' defensive backfield, I would pray and hope that you're one of safety, if not both, for playing closer to the line. Um, a, I think that's what you guys will do just because that's the type of safeties you have and that's where they're at their best and that's where they can affect a game. You know, not that they can't get back and get deep at all. They're, they're great guys at playing the ball. Um, but I would do what a lot of the teams did to the Cardinals last year. And when we had Gerard Powers outside as our number two, you know, a lot of quarterbacks just got up to the line, found number 25 and threw at the receiver, whoever he's guarding. Um, you know, I look at Maxwell and, I see similar qualities with him. I think he's a little bit better on the outside than Powers was, but they're both kind of made for that slot. I think Maxwell really shined in that slot last year. and Now that he's kind of getting forced outside, I think he's getting taken advantage of a little bit. Um, if he, You're right. If he holds up, I think you guys are, are going to fare very well in the passing, in the passing game against, especially with, with Drew there. Well, one last thing before you go. I, I want to talk uh-huh. a little bit of game plan and... I think one thing that we've seen uh, from teams that play Seattle is if they stick to a shorter passing game and have a strong run, that's, that tends to be where teams have success against Seattle. But when I look at the Cardinals, I see a downfield passing team, and, and Stanton is all about going downfield. As well as Bruce Arians. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he just whisses to Bruce a lot more than right, Carson. Right. Carson threw the open guy 
you know, Drew's throwing where Bruce wants him to throw. So do you see the game plan changing, or do you th- you see them sticking with that, that downfield, uh, you know, attack-type mode, or, or do you see them kind of modifying it and, and trying to go with more shorter passes? You know what, I think game plan-wise they'll come in, um, they'll come in thinking that Seattle will do what Detroit did in the last three quarters last week and say, you know what, even though they're safeties, we like, you know, they like to head a bow and Glover to play closer to the line of scrimmage. We're going to sit them back and not let you beat us deep, and we're going to make you beat us underneath. We're going to make you, make you sustain drives with the running game and those shorter passes. Um, I think if Seattle's smart, that's what they will do. Um, I don't know if they will just because, like I said before, how are you going to sit Chancellor and Earl Thomas, two of the better safeties in this league, against the run and against you know, those intermediate routes, how are you going to sit them back in too high the whole game? Which I don't, I don't think that's something they'll do. Um, no. So I think if, if they do sit back in a too high most of the game, you won't see those deep ones. But the second they aren't, you're going to see Bruce tell Drew, go for it. Um, and we'll, we'll, at that point, you know, it's those, the Cardinals have lived off those plays. I mean, we've lived off the deep pass. Um, you know, defensively, we lived off not giving up sustained drives all game, and every once in a while we give up a big play, but we can come back from it because of the type of defense we play. And and really, that's that's the coaching staff. Bowles takes risks. You know, BA takes risks, and they're going to live with it. And I think I think because of that, I think neither team will change much, um, but will be prepared to change if they have to, kind of thing. You know, and and. If I, like I said, if I were Seattle, I'd sit too high and force force our guards to try to block your defensive line. And and unfortunately, I mean, from my point of view, I don't see a ton of success for the Cardinals if that's the case. You know, especially playing where where they're gonna have to go on Sunday. So. All right, Rob. Well, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, you know, obviously tweet at you during uh, yeah. uh, game time <laughs> uh, <laughs> if they're into that. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, I'm at at our commish az. All right, and uh, that's the Arizona Bird Gang podcast, and uh, of course you can find that on iTunes, and uh, it, it's a good show. It is I, a good show. Yeah, yeah. I, Thanks, I, I, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, look, I, I if I am listening to an opposing team's podcast, if I can get through 15 minutes of it, it's a good show. Absolutely. Well, good. <laughs> that's that's pleasant. I appreciate it. We uh, I think we're a lot like you. We're just you know fans that like to break down and analyze and and talk about stuff that we think we know about and see if every once in a while someone other than our parents want to listen to it so (laughs) (laughs) all right rob well thanks again for coming on thank you guys We're back. This is the Seahawkers podcast, the official podcast of the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks. And thanks again to Rob for coming on the show. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. He was a great guy, great sport. I uh, appreciate his insight, even though he's wrong. And uh, <laughs> but uh, that's great. And he had, he had extended an invitation, possibly for us uh, to come on his to show come on their show prior to the Seahawks game uh, when they play in Arizona. So mm-hmm, for the division title. So. Yeah. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. That'll be for the division Clairvoy title. Clairvoy and Adam week. has spoken. All right, then. Yeah. Well, very nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I I just like the fact that uh, he agreed to come on because, 
I don't know. You don't really know another podcast if you don't listen to it. You don't know if guys are going to be jerks to you and you know invite you on. And uh, so, yeah, good for him for coming on. Yeah, no, that, mm-hmm. that is that is tough coming on enemy territory, and, right? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, hope you felt welcome. I hope so too. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what, let's say we get into some reviews, yeah. some emails, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I did pass along to him too after our interview that we had the kind of the the challenge going to our listeners. So, oh, did you? Uh, okay. To to beat out the Arizona Bird Gang podcast. So what did and, you say to that? And they did, and he said, "Oh, well, I like the the idea of uh, a rivalry in the the iTunes podcast department." Okay, so, so our sneak attack is over, people. So now. Even though you guys had a huge two weeks uh, doling out reviews because you guys are amazing, um, it's officially war now. So yeah, they they could come on strong now because they may put out the challenge to their listeners and, now. And we're up four, five, five, one hundred six, one hundred six, one hundred one. I think yep, exactly. Yeah, but uh, you know the other target for us is the Raider Nation podcast, which is one hundred and twenty-two reviews. Oh, how'd so, that happen? Who, how many? How can 122 people like listening to the Raider stuff? They've been around since like 2008 or something crazy like that. Oh wow! So we've so been up a lot of ground. It's fast. like longevity for for the Raider Nation. Yeah. Well, I guess it probably doesn't help that their team stinks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but our team doesn't stink, and our listeners don't stink because they gave us some really kind reviews. And it's I know. I feel like I should listen to the show. I mean, they they speak so kindly of it. Uh, it might be a, a show you, worth listening do you to. Ne- do you never go back and re-listen? I, I do sometimes. Okay, yeah, because I do too, just to try to pick up on things. For example, if oh somebody, uh, who was it that suggested that we should do a drinking game for the podcast? Oh, right, right. Uh, uh, it'll come to me who it was, because I can picture his, uh, his uh, Facebook picture right now with his hard hat on. Uh, he's from England. Um, Is it Craig? Yes, it's Craig Humphrey. Yeah. Uh, Yes. So anyway, one of the things why I go back and re-listen is I have a tendency to say, you know, a lot, and it drives me nuts. And so I'll go back. Don't put that out to listeners. They'll start picking up on it. I know. That's part of the drinking game. Every time I say, (laughs) you know. That's a hard one. You start drinking, you know. I <laughs> that could really be harmful to our listeners, Adam. Hey, the the drunker they are, the funnier I am. I promise them that. <laughs> it's, All right, it's, it's, it's fair how, enough. Yeah, that's how I do well at the bar. So, what do you say we get into some email? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I want to start off with a Facebook comment from Chris Smith. He says, nice. "I'm going to the game on Sunday against Arizona. I'm 30, and this will be my first NFL game ever." Congrats, man! I know it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, he said. <laughs> Uh, now you're just doing it on purpose. Yeah, now that, you're that trying was, to get people. Uh, yeah, uh, I also have the privilege of taking my dad, who is 70 and a Seahawks diehard fan too. This will be his first game too. Whoa. So I'm wondering if you guys have any tips on on things we have to do while at the stadium, etc. Go Hawks! Go Hawks! Yeah, Brandon, you always are very astute with your tips for game day. You okay. have a you have a good. A good kind of routine down. Well, I do. I, I feel like I just there's things that I do every time when I go there. Uh, he's talking specifically around the stadium. Um, I would say at some point there, you you should go check out King Street Bar and Oven, which is across the street after the game. They make Great. a really good wood fired pizza there. They really do. Uh, they have, uh, and if that place is too busy, I always go to uh, Pizza Professionals, which is over in the uh, Pioneer Square area, and uh, that's a that's a good place to grab a slice mm-hmm. of pizza. 
And uh, you got to go down Utah Street, which is kind of that walk from the Starbucks headquarters towards Safeco Field. Mm-hmm. Kind of get a feel for the tailgating atmosphere around there. Uh, and then, too, you know, one thing you can do, Tracy Williams, she's been on the show. And one her, her tailgating area for the military Seahawkers and some other folks is right on King Street, uh, almost uh, not quite right across the street from the King Street Bar and Oven, but pretty close. It's right at the entrance to the parking lot at CenturyLink there, and uh, and you can probably see the trailer. Uh, the, I know they have a Seahawkers podcast sticker uh, right where you go to open your beer. So, uh, which is inside the trailer, so that'd be tough to spot. No, no, street. it's on the outside. It's oh, on it's the on the outside, outside of trailer. Yeah, right. yeah. And uh, so that's where Tracy is. Go by there and say hi and tell her. You yeah, know, just, you've heard just her on the name show. drop. J- name drop me and Brandon. Yeah, you yeah. know she, they have beer. So yeah, they do. They, they have a lot of good beer. Yeah, yeah. I had a twelfth man pale ale last time I hung out there. So the other thing to check out the convention center is kind of cool to be able to check out the games ahead of uh, the early games. They have the big screens on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seagulls doing face paint stuff and uh, all kinds of uh, you know they have the the pregame show that's going on right in there. So mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff to check out pregame and getting there early oh. and going down to the base level right in front of the. Uh, lowest level seats they'll you know let you right up to the rail oh yeah and it is fantastic you can see all the players nice and up close you know you can yell things at them it's it's great get that kind of field level view before you go to wherever your seats are but kind of get down close so to see, see the field right up close so worth it yep and congratulations i hope you guys have an awesome time oh it'll be a great time first nfl game at the clink good times so uh, I want to get into an email from Giovanni from Vancouver. He's still listening, oh, nice. still emailing. Thanks, dude. Uh, he says, uh, "So um, he says, who's got my back?" And then <laughs> I got your back. That's not how it goes, though. It says silence. And he says, "Who's got my back?" And the crickets. It seems like the Seahawks defense enjoys the comfort of that plane ride when it comes to playing in the extremes. Their hearts stayed in the air-conditioned comfort of the plains when we went to San Diego earlier this year, and it remained there for the warmth and comfort of the cozy place on that trip to KC. The team is now faced with a do-or-die situation. We must win every game for the rest of the season in order to dig ourselves out of the third-place hole we found ourse- find ourselves in. We're tied for second. I'm not blaming the officiating errors, errors, and I'm not going to blame missing players. Heck, I'm not even going to blame play calling or lack of execution on offense, which would have looked abysmal without Marshawn Lynch for the second game in a row. I will, however, blame the defense that cannot execute in extreme weather. A defense that only forced two punts all game. Casey scored at will every drive with the exception of the two lone stops and the fumble that uh, we could two turnovers, turn, two turnovers, yeah. Uh, but we only squeezed uh, three points out of. He says, I, "I think didn't one turnover? I think the other one resulted in the second Moyaki touchdown." Exactly. Uh, but he says, "And the kneel down to end the game." So I don't have a sense that they're hungry anymore, with the exception of KJ Wright. Every everybody out there today looked like they left their heart on that warm, cozy plane. So the question now becomes, which defense is going to show up in Seattle next weekend? And we uh, look. Looking to spoil, uh, are we looking to spoil the Cardinals' awesome season and pave the way for the catfishing Niners, <laughs> or will we have, or will we act like we have a pair? I guess it will depend on the weather. I like the email. Yeah, it's got some strong opinions. Uh-huh. One thing I will disagree on, though, is the idea that we have to win out from this point forward. We do not, because I honestly believe 
that 10 and 6 gets you in the playoffs. 90% mm. of the time that's true and I don't know if that's the actual statistic, but that in my gut that feels about what it is. You go 10 and 6, you got a legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. We could we could go 4 and 2 the rest of the way and have a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. You look at the contenders for the other wild card uh spots. I think Giovanni's looking to to win the division though. Well, I mean, That's sure, I, that would be I, I ideal. Feel, he, he's but. got his eye set on first place, just like you talked about. You know, the the Cardinals uh, that second matchup in totally possible week sixteen. It's totally possible for the division. I don't even think we have to win every single game to win the division. It's got to be pretty close, though. Not not technically, we don't. But Cardinals go three and three or two and four. I said it before. Yeah, I don't know about two and four, but I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but. The idea that we don't play well in extreme climates, I don't know that the defense, in sort of as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I don't think the defense played nearly as bismally as some of the people suggest. I like the two turnovers. It, it does, and and like I mentioned earlier, it, it does bother me giving up when we have the lead and giving that back. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like last year's defense... Didn't do that so much. So uh, that's, I think, what a, a little bit what Giovanni's getting at. And uh, I think uh, John Davison, he sent an email that kind of s- almost sounds yeah. very similar. He says, I'm confused. We had the game live on Sunday, so I watched it right through. It's now official. They are not having fun anymore. That but, I kind of agree with. Right? It kind of feels that way. So if only all the different parts of the game would have come together and, and get the same time, uh, at the same time, it would have been fine. And and the fact that it isn't is making us all frustrated. So the injuries are horrendous, and losing Meebane was awful. And, and then watching Casey run through that gap makes it makes it worse. Although I thought Williams coped quite well, and he's not Meebane. And, and now it's Max Unger again, which we really didn't talk about. The fact that Unger went down. and We mentioned it. Yeah, we did mention it. But, that, that well, because obviously Lem coming back, but... That is a it's a big drop off. We you talk about two guys where they're they're uh, our pro bowlers, our pro bowlers, and and you talked about it with Thomas the the difference in the starter to the difference in the backup, and you look at those players. You look at Wilson. You look at uh, at Marshawn. You look at Mebane. You look at Thomas. The, the and you look at Max, and the difference between those guys and their backup is are huge. So. Um, I, I kind of think the, Max is the least out of all those. You think? Yes. Well, I, when you go from Max first string to to fourth string, I mean that's pretty tough. I, if he still had, still had Schilling, and if if Lem's going to be back, and third kind string, of, uh, be that second string player that he that he was. So, um, so he says, uh, so we soldier on, uh, or I, I'm skipping over some of it, but uh, nobody's shedding any tears for us because we are Super Bowl champions, of course. Uh, so you'll hear sol- you'll hear Jared allude to that in yeah, the right. uh, pick'em show. <laughs> so we soldier on and hope to beat the Cardinals. I know people are are having a go at the lack of receivers, but if you ask me, uh, I want to know why we can't tackle in the open field and and uh, why the Legion of Boom seems to be sputtering. To make matters worse, Barry the Redskins wins pickums. Uh, we'll we'll address that and uh, moves up to fifth overall. Is there no God? Hey ho, thick and thin and and thin. Although it hasn't been a bad season, uh, it just hasn't been a good one. Cheers. It has John. been a good season. It, it has. It's I think that's our, because our expectations were set so high at the beginning of the year, and because that that win over Green Bay was so dominant. And you know, we get out to the three and one start, and things are looking good, and and then you you run into some Rough tough patches. times. Yeah. 
And adversity is going to happen. Look, the New England Patriots went 9-7 and seven the year after their first Super Bowl and missed the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. They went on to win the next two. Yeah. I'm just saying, it. you're not going to win the Super Bowl every single year. And I'm not saying we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. It looked pretty good after game one, though. But six and four is not a bad record. You're not in a no, bad spot. We're still spot. in it. We're still in it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I, I did want to get to this other email. It says, hi, guys. Really enjoyed the, so- the show. Uh, I started listening midway through last season, and I can't get enough. This is uh, uh, John from Lake Havasaw City. Uh, he nice says, name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to rate the show, but I can't figure out how to do it. Can you tell those of us a little bit techno savvy how to do it? And I wanted to read this email because we're about to get into reviews, and uh, and it's really easy. If you have iTunes, if you go into the, our iTunes page, so if you go uh, go to the SeahawkersPodcast.com website and then click on the iTunes uh, link, and that'll take you to our show. Uh, if you have iTunes installed on your computer, it'll probably pop up the actual uh, your iTunes, and then there's a, a place to write a review. Uh, click on the write a review, and link. that's right below. The rate it section. Yeah, You'll where see the stars, stars are. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you can click in there and rate it. So, and if you don't listen to the show through iTunes, uh, another place you can leave a review is through Stitcher, which and, would be very cool. Yeah, I I am floored by the amount of uh, the, the reviews that we're getting, and it's awesome. Yes. And uh, but so Stitcher is kind of the same way. Go to the link on our website, SeahawkersPodcast dot com. Go to the Stitcher link, and and there's uh, if you go there, and there's a write a review button uh, right on that page that it, that it links to, mm-hmm. and that'll that'll help you review the show. So, and that just kind of mm-hmm. helps boost up the show, helps people find it, uh, helps people know that uh, mm-hmm. if they're a Seahawks fan, they can enjoy the show as well. Yeah, and if you're still struggling, uh, write us another email, and we'll try to figure out a way to send you a direct link or something along those lines. Yeah. So, and then we got an email too from uh, uh, our our Pickums. We mentioned uh, the guy who was uh, taunting forty seven. Yeah, and uh, he emailed. He said, "Greetings from England. Uh, just listened to the NFL Picks podcast on my commute this morning. Another great podcast made better because I got to mention uh, I am taunting forty seven, the current overall leader on the weekly Pickum. Love the bit." where you guys were talking about Star Wars. <laughs> it is not, though, a misspelled Star Wars reference. It is, in fact, the town I grew up in in England. Oh, well, that clears so, that up. And he says, uh, do you send stickers overseas? Of course we do. If you looked at Facebook, uh, I posted John. His his sticker made it mm-hmm. through customs. I have another and, one uh, to send to England still. Yeah. And, so yeah. you you got uh, uh, David Higgins, or David uh, Huggins, excuse me. Oh, nice. Uh, his email is or his mailing address is right here. Um, and he says, uh, regarding iTunes, I meant to say, uh, in your quest to win the iTunes store ratings battle, you also have 10 five-star ratings in the UK iTunes store. Whoa. Uh, so that should help you beat the, the Cardinals and Cowboys. Uh, he said, of course, they may have UK iTunes store ratings as well, uh, but we don't need to count those, right? No, no, we don't. And I'm just blown away. There's 10 in the UK. Isn't that awesome? It's beyond awesome. We I, should be... I If I... There was a way I could figure out how to pull those up. I tried. I tried su- searching Google and just to see if I could pull up the UK or the Australian eh. reviews. There's no way to pull it up from here for no, whatever not reason. Unless you can which... change your IP somehow. Yeah. That sounds like hacking. You'd probably go to jail. No. I think you, maybe you could do it if you uh, do the, um, yeah, uh, what you call that, when you do VPN. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe I can try doing that next. Yeah, you should. Don't go to jail. You want to read some reviews? Yes, definitely, because you guys came through in a huge way. Unbelievable, people. 
Thank you so much. I have to give a shout out to uh, Stano Yo. Um, Yo. I, I think he has to send us his address uh, because he deserves a sticker for this this review. Great. Uh, it is, uh, and if you can write a review, this is this is the challenge to the listeners now. If you can write a review shorter than Stano Yo, uh, then then you can get a sticker because wow. uh, okay. this is. <laughs> he titles it "Go Hawks." Five star rating, informative and fun. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Look, succinct to the point. I, I think he could have gone shorter on the word informative. Um, maybe smart. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Smart and fun. Yeah. So there you go. That, that's your challenge. Beat that one now. <laughs> go shorter than smart and fun. But seriously, send in your address. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> we'll send you a sticker. Yeah. Uh, Milty gives us a rating, says, uh, started listening to the show. Not sure how I lived this long without listening to you guys. I'm not sure how he did either. I don't know. Love the show. Told my dad and brother to start listening, and uh, I want to say they have, but they are lazy and have not. Yeah, well, be less lazy and listen. Yeah. <laughs> Milty's... Take them on a car ride, Yeah, put the podcast on, and force them into it. And watch their ears bleed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, good stuff. Uh, another review from La Rooftops. He titles it, Caw! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Okay, I've been listening for Call a while. Back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Call back. <laughs> I've been listening for a while, and I'm finally compelled to review this awesome Hawks cast. These guys crack me up, and they uh, often, and they never, ever water down the beer. Nope, unless I forget the beer completely. <laughs> unless, unless it is water. <laughs> right. So go, go beast mode on your iTunes with this fun podcast. Yeah, that's good. Go beast mode on your iTunes. That's a heck of a... That- Send your address in I'll, just because I like that. All right. Yeah. La Rooftops. Call. <laughs> Call. He, he deserves one for that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wazoo Coog, 2003. Did he, po- he didn't Coog his, his review, did he? Uh, no, it actually I'm looks... sorry, and I just took a shot at somebody who gave us a nice review, and that was mean. That is uncalled for. That was uncalled the for. The grammar is perfect in everything, as I'm far re- as I can tell. I'm really sorry, Wazoo Coog. Although he does say great podcast for the 12ths, so... And instead of twelves, so maybe he did. I think. He, it. I think he. No, he didn't. He was trying. To, no, don't say that. He was just. He was doing shorthand for twelves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is great for all twelves around the world. The interaction between the guys is great. If you love the Hawks, you'll like this podcast. I only have one thing left to say: Go Hawks! See, and that's quality. Yeah. He did not cook it. No. <laughs> Let's see, Danimal. Underscore BYU. I recognize that name there. Danimal, yeah. Yeah, I believe that's Dan Hill. Okay. That's okay. that's just that's just my guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, first name Seahawkers, last name Podcast, Adam and Brandon. Alphabetical, not necessarily ranked by quality or looks. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's ranked by both those no, things. No, no, no. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Provide an informative and entertaining look into the Hawks and some excellent interviews. A must-listen for all the fans. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, Dan. I like these. These are entertaining. They're fantastic. <laughs> uh, and this review by Nissan Drew. Don't do better. This podcast is great. Brandon and, Brandon and Adam. See, he goes. He does go in order of, of quality and looks in this one. Brandon and Adam. Are, he mentions nothing about what order he put it in. That I, could be just random. Well, no, I think it's right below the other one, so he must have seen it and then corrected. Uh, if it's below the other one, corrected it's animals. I, I, that might be correct. But <laughs> <laughs> when? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is great. Brandon and Adam are true hardcore Seahawks fans with very different personalities. <laughs> Brandon tends to be more thoughtful and careful with his words. And not as good looking. And Adam just slaps you in the face. Bam! <laughs> and you, uh, I, 
people tend to like it, apparently. I, hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's hey. what we're here for. I'm the Ray Rice of podcasting. No, apparently. no, no. Come on. Hey. Is that over the line? That's over the line. See, I just slapped you in the face with no, that No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Their speaking styles truly do complement each other, and it makes the podcast fun and enjoyable to listen to. From a Seahawks fan in San Diego, thank you for keeping me up to date on Seahawks news. Go Hawks. You're welcome, and thank you back. That was we a have, great review. I can't believe we still have two more. What? Yeah, we got to get through these. Uh, from NoCal Hawks fan uh, says, "Great podcast, you guys are great. I look forward to your informative, insightful show each week. Wish you guys could do a daily show. Can't get enough Hawk talk. Go Hawks! Beat the cards and podcast in parentheses. And we did. And we did. Thanks to you, man. Mm-hmm. And I wish we could do it daily too. We just need to get paid. So if uh, <laughs> a- if anybody can hook us up with the Seahawks organization, yeah, let's, or, let's or figure do that. out. Yeah, if, let's do that. Yeah." If, we, if you want to donate to the show, you can. We have a donate button on the website. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make it happen. All right. Walk, waltz. Waltz for Hawks. Says, excellent. Great podcast. Feels like I'm sitting with friends conversating about the Hawks. Love the Do Better and Better at Life segments. Keep it up. Go Hawks. Thanks, man. You are listening with friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the atmosphere we're going for. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because Look, we're not... We're not all that official. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, we are the official podcast of the official Booster Club. That's right. But somehow our title has unofficial in it, which actually bothers me now. Yeah. Well, see. I know okay. why you did it. I know. I know. Somehow we got to figure out a way around that. Yeah. It bothers me. And it just hit me today that it bothers me. Really? Yeah. See, I thought that when they told me that I had to put unofficial in the title uh, to get it listed up on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um which I should find out if that actually is working now. Uh, but I, I thought the the two other officials later on overruled. Would, cancel, would overrule the first unofficial. Right. But a lot of times it's, you know, abbreviated. And so you don't see the full title. And therefore, all you see is unofficial. And that makes me feel maybe at what as I unofficial should do, as I actually am. I should rearrange it so it's the official uh, podcast of the official booster club of the Seattle Seahawks. Unofficial. Parentheses. Unofficial NFL football fan cast. Yes. That I could live with. <laughs> All right. Okay. Glad we worked that out. <laughs> <laughs> that will be changed. Okay. We will get that fixed. Okay. All right. So um, do better, better at life? Yeah. You got something? Yeah, I do. I, I have a few things. I uh, just want to say thanks again to all the great reviews. Uh, you guys can write reviews or you can email into the show. We read them on here, as you guys have heard. Go Hawks at SeahawkersPodcast.com. Or you can call in and leave a message. We love that. I can't tell you how much we enjoy hearing your voice and getting it played on the show and allowing your voice to be heard with all the rest of our Hawks fans. It is 253 253- Two three five nine zero four one. You can also text that number. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there before we get into our do betters. And I will start out the do better since you kind of put me on the spot. Uh, mine. I is, can go first if you need me to. You know, if, you're, if you're for, not ready. No, I'm ready. And mine is for a genuine douche balloon. And I don't use that term lightly. This guy is a first class jerk. His name is Tony Williams. Tony Williams, as you guys, I'm sure have all seen by now is the New Orleans Saints fan that completely outmuscled some poor, cute little lady that just wanted to get a game ball from Jermaine Gresham after he scored a touchdown. Jermaine Gresham is a bangle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he goes to throw the ball clearly to the girl wearing an A.J. Green jersey. The only jersey. person wearing a Bengals jersey clearly. in the vicinity. And this inconsiderate, absolute jerk just steamrolls her and steals the ball. 
What a joke. Now, this guy is 70 years old, okay? But, Adam, he was getting the ball for his grandson. You have something against grandkids? I have something against being a jerk to try to get a free something for your grandson. If you really want something that badly for your grandson, go buy a signed football. Really. And at 70 years old, you should know better. Where's the chivalry? I mean, on top of that, there's something that you don't do at games. You don't steal game balls from women or children. I'm sure if the Titanic was going down, he would have shoved her down to the poop deck and got on one of the lifeboats. You said poop. (laughs) Purposely. (laughs) This guy is an absolute, just, he's disgusting. And, you know, he's like, everyone says I elbowed the lady, but I really didn't. I turned away from the lady. He may not have thrown an elbow, but he truly roughed her up. He says, it's a free, or the wife said, well, it's a free-for-all. Something like Mardi Gras. This isn't anything like Mardi Gras. This is this is football. Apparently, he's gotten three other balls during his stay as a New Orleans Saints fan. And he says he would do it all again. He would do that same jerky maneuver and that he didn't mean to disgrace the Saints fan base. Well, you did. You did. You did. And I'm... Honestly, my do better extends to all those fans around him that didn't accost him in the stands and tell him to give the ball back. She pleads with him. Right. She pleads with him. And he still doesn't give the ball back. It was back. so obvious who the ball was going to. It's just, it's absolutely terrible. This guy is the worst. He should be suspended for the year under the personal conduct policy for his crappy fandom. Tony Williams, do better. Do better. Goodell needs to step in. And start suspending fans for their conduct. Yeah. If a, if a, a, a Seahawks fan can't put up their 12th man flag in Chief Stadium, did you see the, the 12th man that got there, the, the fan that got a ticket for hanging their, their 12th banner up in the uh, over the railing in Kansas City? What? Yeah. By who? The flag police? Yeah. They're, apparently they have uh, signed police. And yeah, that's what just, kind of, uh, what kind of, a, if you're 12, and you do that, and you get that ticket, guess what you don't do? You don't pay that ticket. Well, I don't think it's a ticket to pay. I think it's it was kind of a, a warning as to take down your sign or you're uh, in violation of the fan con- conduct policy of the stadium. Weak sauce. Right? Isn't that crazy? And you the way they tried to a... break the sound record was weak sauce, too. I'm starting to wonder about these Chiefs fans. Yeah. Yeah. Weak I think sauce. we do have to wonder. Weak sauce. <laughs> All right, well, my do better this week, it's it's a, a trio of guys. Ooh. Uh, so NFL media insider Ian Rappaport, around the NFL writer Kevin per- uh, pa- Petra, Patra, and NFL media columnist Michael Silver. Ugh. So okay, yeah, this I'm going there. Good. So Rappaport showed up on NFL game day, uh, NFL Network's game day morning on Sunday, and he said the. <laughs> He reports on the story that the Seahawks are planning on moving on from Lynch after the season. Like, <laughs> and hasn't this already? Okay. And then so he, Kevin uh, Patra turns around that report and posts the story a couple hours later. This was already a story at the beginning of the season. It was already reported on again. And now here the story is again two weeks later. Do these guys even know what news is? The yeah. word the word new is three out of the four letters. <laughs> Tell me something new. You mean reporting on other people's reports isn't news? It's not news. See, because we don't pretend to be reporters. We're just we just talk about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, bringing stuff up that already came up 
Hey, hey, did you guys forget about the story that uh, Chris Mortensen brought up about reports that were earlier in the season? Hey, this is news. You know, and what's even better is, yeah, okay, the Seahawks are going to move on. It has very, who knows how much it has to do with the attitude, but I'm guessing it's very little in the whole thing's blown out of proportion and has oh, yeah. much more to do with the fact that he is an aging running back. Going to be 29. With a large cap hit. Yeah. It's about money. That's what the that's what the NFL's about. And Russell Wilson, they're going to look to pay him too. Well, without Percy's deal on there, I think we could probably pay both. I think we could too. And that's why I think Lynch will be back next year. I really do. I'm starting to lean that way. I think so, unless something happens. You start to see injuries, uh, but yeah, I some I feel like it, 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 it comes down to whether or not Lynch still wants to play football after the season to me. He'll play. I, I think, think so he too. Wants to I think play. he'll be back. Yeah. So Talking about Marshawn Lynch, and that, that's what this is all about. That he gave an interview to Michael Silver mm-hmm. at the threat of the fifty thousand dollar or hundred thousand dollar fine, right? Uh, because he's on probation still from the last year. And this was and, on the bus on the phone, correct? Yeah. So he grants an interview, and it, to Michael Silver, which I don't and know, Mike how, Rob as well, right? And Mike Rob, right? Uh, but might do better for Michael Silver. I'm so sick of all the garbage that he jams into his articles that make this conjecture and speculation that he rattles off sound relevant. So is it worse to just re-report other people's reports or to make up something so it tries to sound new? Well, Silver does a little bit of both. Oh, uh, the double whammy. Well, so I don't know if we want to take the time to dissect this whole article. Okay. But, okay, so it starts off. He was sitting on the team bus outside of Arrowhead Stadium, preparing to head to the airport after a long, draining, and disappointing day. A few minutes into a telephone conversation following the Seahawks' 24-20 defeat to the Kansas City Chiefs, Marshawn Lynch was asked a question about his future with the defending Super Bowl champions, and he metaphorically pumped the brakes. Do I think I'll be gone after this season? Lynch repeated, pausing to consider the question. I don't know, man. The Seahawks, their front office gets in the media. They talk a lot. I don't talk much. I just play the game. For one thing... He's a malcontent. He's a... <laughs> they hate him. Get him off the team. They're going to move on. This is crap. Well, for one thing, people trying to read into the to what he said about the Seahawks front office getting in the media and talking a lot, to his, to his mind... They probably they talk a lot more than he does, well, yeah. and I think that's what he said. He's just saying that. Yeah. And how much is how much have you actually heard from the Seahawks front office? I, I don't. I think he's. Have direct- you heard any official statements from John Schneider or Pete Carroll regarding Marshawn's future? Well, is that something that they bring up, or Carroll- is it something that they're asked about and are required to give an answer to so they don't get fined a hundred thousand dollars by the NFL. They, they've talked more about it than he has. So right, I, but I they've think been asked the, more about it right. than he has because they actually get in front of the mic. Right. Uh, he said, if they have something going on, I don't know about it. So, and that's where the end of his quote stops. And this is where all the kind of garbage starts coming into this article. Oh, fun. So somehow, sometimes, however, actions speak louder than words, and Lynch, one of the sport's most eccentric stars, seemed to make a statement about the disconnect between him, seemed to make a statement about the disconnect between him and his bosses midway through Sunday's game, while the rest of the Seahawks filed through the tunnel and into the visitors' locker room at the conclusion of the second quarter. Lynch remained on the field for the entirety of the twelve-minute halftime. Huh? How come? Oh well, 
He was getting worse. <laughs> Twelve minutes. Who? It's. <laughs> and apparently, when they asked Pete Carroll about it on the Brock and Salk show, Pete Carroll knew what Lynch was doing. It's not like Pete got back to the locker room and was like, oh, where's Marshawn? No. Marshawn talked to him and said, look, I need to be out here. I got the chiropractor out here. I got the hot table out here. I got the massage therapist out here. Like, I need to have my back worked on. I'm a hurting unit right yeah, now. He And then the next paragraph says he told Michael Robinson that uh that he couldn't walk yeah so he <laughs> clearly i'm malcontent yeah <laughs> and he's gonna tell michael robinson what's up so his actions seem <laughs> to tell the team that that's he doesn't what bothers me him. about this uh, throwing that stuff in there about it's Look, it's what you feel that you think is going on when you don't know we both have basic journalism training right okay and not you, that I. You have basic journalism training. I well, have, they gave you, they gave I, you I some have, in the military. I have advanced journalism training, Adam. It's okay. Oh well, I don't know. I thought maybe you got it in boot camp, and therefore it was basic. <laughs> I, I don't know. But the point being is, what do you say? My Just university you a hard time, man. degree is basic because it kind of is. But the idea is that even the most rookie re- reporter that comes out of school knows that this is a no-no. Right. Knows that this is absolutely ridiculous. Putting your opinion into an article. If you're on the opinion page, that's one thing. But when you're reporting it as news, that's a whole other deal. Exactly. And it's immoral. It's it it it's it well, misleads people. It's, yeah, it's confusing because you're mixing you're mixing Messages. news reporting with your opinion. And it goes on, it says uh um the uh, the real question was Lynch expressing his displeasure in the wake of recent reports citing anonymous sources that the Seahawks plan <laughs> to give him his walking papers after the season. So that's what Lynch did. He just he said, "I'm not going in at halftime because of all these reports out there." Mm-hmm. It, it was it didn't have anything to do with his back. It, that, this um, was this was a time to make a statement. It was at halftime against the Chiefs, and it had to be done then. Yeah, because you know, I'm hurt, but I'm making a statement instead. Yeah, according to a source close to the 28 year old running back which is always fun when it's according to a source close to someone mm-hmm. uh, such reports have contributed to his deteriorate deteriorating relationship with seattle coach pete carroll as lynch partially blames him for the existence of such stories and for the possibility that his seahawks tenure might have might end after the 2014 season Last month, I reported on the NFL Network that Lynch harbors bitterness toward Carroll. So now he's bringing in his last uh, 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 conjecture, conjecture from a month his, ago. Support his current conjecture. Here, here's conjecture that I had a month ago that supports my current. Yeah, exactly. Good lord. Uh, so, and then he brings in Rappaport's statement, which uh, that I meant earlier. That talking he was reporting about, on the other reports uh, that said that Lynch does not communicate with Carroll. Which, because Lynch said he doesn't chop it up with the head coach. Right. Meaning he doesn't talk to the coach like Russell Wilson does because it's a different relationship between like yeah. quarterback fact, and... He has the quote right here. When I asked Lynch on Sunday if he and Carroll speak, he replied, Pete's my head coach. Well, I mean, you know, he's not really in my position meetings. It ain't like we get to chop it up like that. Right. Yeah. He's your head coach. He talks to him, but it's not like... Yeah. yeah. He talks to his position coaches more because they're in the room. Yeah. It's not like the head coach and Russell Wilson where they're talking constantly. Right. Yeah. It's as, a different position. As like every other NFL team. Right. And not, I don't see any of that in here. So 
Screw this guy. I, I don't know if we need to go on any no, further. because I think that's I, enough. Well, actually, after this is when he actually gets into the quotes uh, from from Lynch in his conversation. That's when the, the story actually gets newsy again. So, yeah. <laughs> it's just... Uh, Michael Silver, other guys, come on. Be a journalist. Do newsy stuff. Stop telling us about old stories. Do better. Yeah. Definitely do better. I can see you're fired up about that, and that uh, that's warranted. I, when I see bad journalism, it makes me unhappy. It makes your blood boil a little bit, man. I can see that. All right, uh, better at life. Well, who you got? I got uh, a former Redskins running back, Brian Mitchell, who made, I always liked him as a player. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and he made the news this week, and he had some uh, pretty. This this is the kind of stuff that I he like. Strong. This is the the stuff that I like to see in the media. Pathetic, I think it's it's asinine. As we look at this football game and this football team, and it's not just Robert. Okay, I no want quite. fans out there to stop blaming just the quarterback. And, and this is Brian, Brian Mitchell's a former Redskins player. And what is he responding? And, to? and he's responding to the play on the field that he is seeing from Washington mm-hmm. because. It, they got beat by the Buccaneers, so I, I want to. I, I just I didn't feel Can like I, I gave it quite enough lead up. I like your I like your pick based on the fact that he used the word asinine, <laughs> under word uh, underutilized that word. I, I love it. But yeah, I mean, he comes out and man, just panning his team, and rightfully so. That was ridiculous that the Redskins lost to the Buccaneers. You can't be doing that and. And then you hear RG3 come out at the press conference the other day and, and, and kind of throw the whole team under the bus rather than, look, if you're the quarterback, this is what you do. You always take all the blame and you get all the credit. So when it's blame time, man, you got to stand up and you got to take all the shots. And he didn't. He tried to deflect it all. And it was terrible. And it matches their play on the field. And I agree with Brian Mitchell. It is asinine. It is. I the, the thing that I like so much about his comments is that he he's spot on and he he feels you don't you don't see a guy passionate about his a team that he's behind and mm-hmm. you know especially he's got a history being, being an analyst for a team and I mean I I'm going to play the full comments here because I I think it's in context it's even better. It, it is. It's even Good. better because he 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 even as much as he tries to filter himself through it the just, rest of his just, comments it's just popping out it, of him yeah it, 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 he just can't it, i can relate to this yes exactly <laughs> uh embarrassing uh this is uh, atrocious it's despicable it's pathetic i think it's it's asinine as we look at this football game and this football team and it's not just robert okay i no want question. fans out there to stop blaming just the quarterback the defense was atrocious the offensive line was terrible dropping balls throwing balls to people everybody had a part in this there are players that they can't play them, themselves into the right position all right we we, we 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 sit here every week and we want to blame just that one guy yes they gave up a lot for him but from coaching to decision makers to players, everybody is playing a part. Kai Farbat had hit 15, I think, in a row. 15, and then all of a sudden he misses two today. What is going This team, you had two weeks to prepare for a one and eight Buccaneers team that we constantly heard Jay Gruden and everybody around the country say this team is not as bad as their record states. But they were still one and eight. You're sitting at three and six, and this 
Redskins team cannot ever sit there and think that they're any 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 much better than uh, that team was. Now you step into a football game today, and nobody played like they were desperate, like they've been embarrassed with the way things have been going. Five out of the last six years, this team has started three and six in the first nine games. Okay, some players you may have been around for the whole time. Most of them haven't been. And the one year you were not starting at three and six, you're four and five. And I see a lot of players blaming media and everybody else and running around as if they won a damn Super Bowl somewhere. Mm -hmm. This team has sucked over the last few years, okay? And as a former player, I'm embarrassed to watch this junk over and over again. And yes, I come on his air, and I have to try and be... Professional and not say what I, I wish they could just let the FCC tell me today, say what the hell you want to say, Brian. And I will call out names and tell them exactly what I feel. Because a lot of guys who wants to be big time and talking about what they think and what the media shouldn't be doing, play some damn football. You're sucked on the field today and you know who you are. I don't have to say the name. No. Okay, you know who you are. But uh, this town. Stop expecting greatness when they haven't given it to you. Start demanding greatness. You control what happens on that football team. But too many times we sit there and we kiss this team's ass because we see a burgundy and gold person wearing it. What you got to start doing is make the team understand you mean business. I'm going to stop sitting up here and just supporting you at all wheels, spending money I probably don't even have to make this team feel so good about itself and sit back and do nothing about it but complain. No, make them understand that you are not going to be playing anymore. Strong. It was strong. The, the only thing that he didn't do uh, was drop a do better at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right? If he, had, if he had tagged it with do better at the end, that w- it just would have been perfect. And that is why Brian Mitchell is better at life than Skip Bayless. I concur. That's good stuff right there. Tough to follow that because that was a, that was a great, great uh, better at life than Skip Bayless. Well, my, <laughs> better, my better at life than Skip Bayless... Uh, it revolves around a University of Montana alum. Nice. Go Grizz. Going local. Yeah, that's for all you Eastern Washington listeners. Just eat it, all right? Yeah. Just for two seconds, all right? We're you gonna, and we're, your red field. We're, we're going to talk a little Grizz and, and Cat fans and all of you other Big Sky Conference. You have to listen. You're captive audience. Yep. Don't don't bail out on this podcast now. Nope. We are almost to the end, but tough, don't bail out now. Tough break. Uh, but goes to Dan Carpenter, kicker for the Buffalo Bills, former Montana Grizzly. And basically, we all know about... Buffalo getting dumped on with snow, you know, five plus feet of snow. And Dan Carpenter apparently has some elderly neighbors. And it's uh, Roy and Lorraine Noble. They're 88 and 87 years old. Mm -hmm. And as the snow piled up, Dan Carpenter starts to shovel out his area, you know, his driveway, his sidewalk and everything. And he shovels his way all the way over to the neighbor's house. Apparently, he just had a little small snow shovel dressed in full camo, as any good Montanan is at any given point. And uh, you know, shovels his way all the way over there and comes over. And uh, first thing he said, according to Noble, was, is, is everything okay? And he just, just goes through, shovels out his, his sidewalk for him, goes and checks on his uh horizontal vent for their furnace so they don't die of carbon monoxide poisoning oh sure you know i mean you don't have to do these sort of things no. and look when you're 87 years old shoveling five feet of snow hey for a guy who's 35 it's hard work right exactly that's that's work and here's the thing mr roy noble former world war ii prisoner of war oh wow if anybody deserves to be taken care of a little bit by a good neighbor. It's this guy. 
And uh, so Dan Carpenter's wife gave them both their numbers and wanted to make sure to check in on them. And if there were any problems, to give them a call at any any given time. And mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Noble said, someday we're going to reward him. He's a hell of a nice guy. Nice. So, you know, it's the little things. It's Sometimes it's the little things in life, those little random act of kindness that make all the difference for some people. And University of Montana graduate, Buffalo Bill, you know I have an affinity for both those programs. Dan Carpenter, you are better at life than Skip Bayless. I'm just going to say uh, Mario Williams, when, when he, uh, he, he took care of Jim Kelly's driveway, he used to bobcat. Might, uh, might think about that, though. He, I, Jim I, Ke- Jim, I would hope, though. Oh, used a bobcat. I, was like, I thought you said he was a bobcat. No, no. I was like, he used a bobcat. Like and or, if uh, you're Dan Carpenter, there's no using a bobcat, obviously. No. Because no. the whole rivalry, the Grizz bobcats. Yeah, that doesn't work. You got to use the shovel. Yep, right? got to use the shovel. Yeah. So. Oh, well, hey, but look, Jim Kelly's one, Jim Kelly can afford to have his driveway cleared. I think that's more of a... That's a PR uh, stunt more than anything. Well, I, I think it's kind of the... A respect The, the thing, respect thing for okay. the respecting of the, the Bills, uh, you know, guy Greats. who's been in the Bill, Bills yeah. organization. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Kelly's an all-time great uh, cancer survivor, all that stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, that's quite the pod. I know. I quite thought we did. We put in some work today. We did. Uh, hope you all enjoy the show. And uh, thanks again for the reviews. Be sure to email, call in, all that good stuff. Uh, give us a, more interaction. We always love that. Check in on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Seahawkers Podcast. At Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. Adam the Rant, at Adam the Rant. Adam's, you know, I haven't che- checked that in a long time. You, you've, kind of, you've kind of peeked your head in there a little bit, though. I deleted the Twitter app off my phone. Yeah, but see, I have the emails when you get a notification now going to the, the Go Hawks at Seahawkers podcast email, so you but should see them. But I don't have them. access to that. You don't? No. You what? just you have it set up so that the emails that come into there sometimes forward to my regular email. Yeah, I got to fix that. Yeah, well, I don't know. That's cool. I, and I don't have my Twitter login. I can't remember what it is. Jeez, <laughs> well, it's just... <laughs> well, it's because it means that much to me. It does mean... It, mean, <laughs> it means so much. Yeah, well, with that said, I think there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks! Go Hawks!